Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. AEW successful. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 435 for your July 10th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Sunday evenings, wherever you may be. I have seen this afternoon, and hopefully my mic And the uh, issue that happened on Friday night is not present here again today. I was on social media today, and I saw one common theme all throughout social media this afternoon. Apparently, all the e-drones and the topic of discussion now, because they're running out of things to complain about, because there really isn't much to complain about, they should watch their own fucking show and analyze their own fucking show the way that they do Tony Khan's show, and the way that they do AEW. The topic of discussion today was body shaming Eddie Kingston. Apparently, Eddie Kingston was the topic of social media, Twitter, the wrestling community. The topic of discussion today. I don't understand why. What did Eddie Kingston do to anybody that upset anybody? Why is Eddie Kingston now the target 
of online harassment from, I'm assuming, fat neckbeard slobs who've never seen a pair of perky tits in their entire life. Well, not on, well, on the internet, yes, but not in real life. Eddie Kingston is the topic of discussion because of body shaming. Same thing that they did to Adam Cole. Body shaming Adam Cole. I am here to tell you that, and we can praise Eddie Kingston all we want. We love, we love Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston's a, a, a huge proponent of what AEW is doing right now. Big, big, big fans of Eddie Kingston on this side of the fence. Everything that Eddie Kingston does brings a, a legit sense of credibility and realism to what is overall a dead product in pro wrestling. He breathes life into everything that he does. He makes everything that much more interesting. He's had the best matches of his career in the, in the last couple of years. Chris Jericho, Blood and Guts, Brian Danielson, CM Punk. You named it. You name it. He's wrestled them all. And he continues to show up and do his fucking job better than anybody. But here we are body shaming Eddie Kingston of all fucking people in 2022. If that is the basis of your discussion and criticisms, you are a pathetic fucking geek. You're an absolute waste of life. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of the people body shaming Eddie Kingston look a thousand times worse than what Eddie Kingston looks like right now. And I'm here to tell you, and this is all we'll say about it because Eddie Kingston doesn't really give a shit about what anybody says. I am pretty fucking confident that Eddie Kingston, John Moxley as well. Yes, how can I forget John Moxley? I am pretty sure Eddie Kingston doesn't give a fuck about what you think he looks like. He doesn't give a shit. So continue to talk your shit. Eddie Kingston doesn't give a fuck. It's pathetic. The wrestling community is sad. It is sad. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on Off the Scripts. It is Sunday night. We're going to uh, rock and roll tonight with uh, several different topics. We're going to roll everything up into one big ball on this Sunday evening. I appreciate you guys very much for joining me on your Sunday nights. Man, the beer garden's looking great in the nighttime sky, man. The fire pits are going The tacos are filling the air with delicious treats and scents. The Ferris wheel and the boardwalk is buzzing. The whiskey bar is lit. Go get your cold beverages, man. We're about to rock and roll tonight. We're going to talk Vince McMahon. We're going to talk Sasha Banks. We're going to talk this uh, story about this sudden interest in WWE. Sudden interest in WWE. From who? Where? For what? And we're going to break down all the weekly news and rumors right here on Off the Script, man. Today, sponsored by... No, Troy Turner in the chat. I, I, I did not make the tacos, bro. There's a Thunder Rosa taco truck outside in the venue. The line right now is, is ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. Actually, I think Jesse's out there protesting. Jesse's out there protesting like uh, C.J. Parker did in old NXT 1.0. Why is it there a taco truck for me? I'm sorry, bro. Maybe your tacos are fucking garbage. 
and Thunders is a lot better, man. She won. She put in the application and she won the contest. What can I tell you? Today's show is sponsored by Blue Chew, man. BlueChew.com. Use that code JD at checkout for your free sample. Sure, Vince McMahon used code JD, man. I don't know how the genetic jackhammer would be focused on giving the best performance possible. BlueChew.com, code JD, get your free sample. We'll talk about my friends over at BlueChew a little bit later in the show. Follow me on social media, man. Not JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Now TikTok as well. Clips are going on TikTok to build the presence of the podcast online. And make sure you guys go check out Cameo, man. Cameo, an official partner with JD and Off The Scripts. Awesome stuff happening on Cameo. So you guys can follow me on there. Really good stuff. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Hit that thumbs up as well, man. I need a thousand likes minimum on tonight's podcast. I expect nothing less. A thousand likes minimum. And then we'll talk about where we go from there. So hit that thumbs up. Get those super chats in. We'll hang out at the end of the show with our cold beverages. Guys can talk about anything you want. It is open to you. It's a great way to support the show as well. New memberships, man. Hit that join button. The VIP room in the beer garden right behind me, man, where those fire pits are beautifully lit. That's the VIP section, so make sure you guys go and hit that join button. You guys get emotes. You guys get those badges next to your name. You guys are going to get, I think I'm going to start incorporating some member-only streams, man. We'll be sitting here legitimately drinking some old fashions and just bullshitting, man. I may be doing them one time a quarter. So you guys can sign up for that and be a part of that exclusive club. And make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, man. Everything you need is linked on the homepage. I appreciate you all for the support right here on OTS. Start at the top, man. Pat McAfee, this was a story earlier in the week. Pat McAfee, he is very good at what he does. very good at his job. Color commentator on Friday nights alongside Michael Call on SmackDown. Pat McAfee is... Going to be in SummerSlam. <laughs> Summer Scam. The show was not looking all that entertaining, folks. It's not looking all that entertaining. Summer Scam. Pat McAfee versus Baron Corbin will be taking place on the show. Why? I don't know. People think it's long-term booking. It is not long-term booking. Pat McAfee and Happy Corbin is the furthest thing from long-term booking. If you use the words long-term booking describing Pat McAfee and Happy Corbin, man, you may be one of the dumbest idiots that I see online. Oh, but it was a joke. No. Now, some people may be using it as a joke, but the majority of the people legitimately think it's long-term booking. It's not. It's nothing more than a happenstance and WWE's desire to fill out Nissan, Nissan Stadium as much as they can, and they need to do that via celebrity appearances. Because they don't trust their actual roster or the roster that right now seemingly doesn't exist because they failed to create new stars. So they got to resort to using Pat fucking McAfee. Signed a long-term extension with the WWE, man. Multi-year extension with the company. 
Since April 2021, Pat McAfee has served as an analyst alongside Michael Cole for Friday Night SmackDown, 8 p.m. on Fox. The new contract will see McAfee entertaining the WWE Universe for years to come. Pat McAfee lit up social media and had a WrestleMania debut at AT&T Stadium against Austin Theory and Vince McMahon and even got stunned by Stone Cold Steve Austin. Pat McAfee's great. Probably the best thing about SmackDown right now. Uh, I would even put him over Roman Reigns. I think Pat McAfee is great at what he does. He's humorous. He's quick-witted. He's witty. And I said this earlier in the week. Pat McAfee's made Michael Cole a better play-by-play commentator. Michael Cole seems to be a little bit more humanized after all these years working alongside all these different broadcast partners. He seems to be a little bit more humanized working alongside Pat McAfee, and that's the one aspect of this all that I truly appreciate. Because WWE commentators, man, they're so monotone, they're so dry and dull and robotic. Michael Cole seems like he's full of life, he's laughing, he's having a good time. He's more jovial. It's great. It's great. He is definitely a lot more laxed with Pat McAfee sitting next to him. He was great with Corey Graves as well. But Pat McAfee seems to bring out just a different side of Michael Cole, and I appreciate that. You know, Michael Cole gets a lot of shit. He does. He is a very good play-by-play man. He's not the. I wouldn't say Michael Cole is in the best-of-all-time conversation. To me, in my generation... I'm going to go out there and say Jim Ross is the best play-by-play commentator of my generation. I grew up with Bobby the Brain Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon, Vince McMahon, and Jim Ross. Jim Ross was the the, the voice of my generation. I first heard Jim Ross in 1993 at WrestleMania 9 in Las Vegas, Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. This guy fucking rode in with Bobby the Brain Heenan on a goddamn fucking camel. That was the first time I heard about Jim Ross or heard... Jim Ross's work. I was never a WCW guy, man. I was always a WWF guy back in the day, and that's the first time I heard Jim Ross. Fell fell in love with him from day one. I thought he was tremendous. And him and his work and what he's done, he's the voice of my generation. Bobby LeBron Heenan, the greatest color commentator of all time. I would say it's Jim Ross and then Gorilla Monsoon right underneath him. If Morrow was more of a presence in WWE, I'd say Morrow. I think Morrow's great. I, th- I truly miss Morrow's voice, Morrow Ranallo. But JR all the way for me, man. Pat McAfee has humanized Michael Cole, and that's a beautiful thing to see. All you guys got to do is go on WWE's YouTube page. I believe they posted the video. Michael Cole, I don't know if he knew or not, if it was held as a, as a surprise. Pat McAfee certainly act, acted like he didn't know. Um, the reaction to when Liv Morgan cashed in the Money in the Bank briefcase and beat Ronda Rousey. Uh, Michael Cole just exuded this genuine reaction that was a beautiful thing to see. So, Pat McAfee staying with SmackDown and WWE is absolutely a no-brain decision. Somebody that I do not want back in the WWE or anywhere near the WWE is Tyson Fury. He was another name in the rumor mill this week about him and a potential return to the company. Tyson Fury is in talks for a potential return to the company. Tyson Fury, according to uh, Give Me Sport, the outlet Give Me Sport, they report that Tyson Fury is in talks with WWE regarding a potential return to World Wrestling Entertainment this summer. As of this writing, nothing is finalized and there are no concrete plans to have him on any shows, although discussions have indeed taken place. 
The report added that it's also unclear whether Fury's potential return would be just for an in-ring appearance on the show or whether he will wrestle again like he did in Saudi Arabia against Braun Strowman, which completely was one of the worst matches that I've ever witnessed myself. So Give Me Sport was the first to report that WWE wanted to have Fury challenge Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship in a main event of a UK pay-per-view in 2020. Obviously, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, those plans did not take place. Fury later confirmed the report about the UK pay-per-view match with Drew McIntyre and revealed he was also supposed to appear at WrestleMania 36 and SummerSlam in 2020. WWE is holding Clash at the Castle in Cardiff, Wales on September 3rd, Labor Day weekend. I know Tyson Fury is huge in that market, and it would probably be a big get for WWE to get Fury on the card in that country. But I don't want to see it. I think it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. If he shows up in a non-wrestling role, if he wants to be a special guest referee, if he wants to be, this is what I would do with Tyson Fury. I would not have him wrestle at the show. I would have Drew McIntyre obviously start building his match when he beats Sheamus at SummerSlam for the number one contendership because we're going to have a little bit of a, of a ways to go before we get to Clash at the Castle. SummerSlam is happening on July 30th. Clash at the Castle is happening on September 3rd. So there's going to be about five, six weeks there. I would have Drew McIntyre obviously start building his match with Roman Reigns and building this match with the bloodline and the bloodline obviously outnumbering him three to one. I would have Tyson Fury come back and be in Drew McIntyre's corner. And I would even have him be the, the, the final thing that we see while Drew McIntyre claymores Roman Reigns and wins one of the championships. I don't think Drew McIntyre is going to win both championships. I do think that Tyson Fury should be a, 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 an enforcer or, or, or bodyguard, muscle for Drew McIntyre, and I do think that he will even the odds against the bloodline. I don't want to see him in the ring at all. That would be the right role for him, to be more of an enforcer. If he's in the ring, and I talked about this earlier in the week, if he's in the ring, he's going to have a terrible time living up to everything that we've saw this year as far as celebrity WWE appearances. Tyson Fury is not going to go in there and outclass a bad bunny. He's not going to go out there and outclass a Logan Paul. He's not going to go in there and outclass Pat McAfee. He's not even going to go out there and outclass Johnny Knoxville. Even though Johnny Knoxville is a clown, Johnny Knoxville had a very entertaining part of WrestleMania. The match sucked. It was a joke. But he went in there and he bumped around for Sami Zayn. More so than I could ever say for Tyson Fury. Now, what I'm afraid of is none of this is going to happen. WWE is going to do none of what I said here, even though it makes 100 complete, 100% complete sense. Logical common sense. None of it will happen. What WWE realistically will do is put Tyson Fury on the fucking card, have him wrestle, and have him in a one-on-one match with Omos. This is what is going to happen. I am saying this now 
because I can't unthink it. I'm saying this now because that is who WWE is. So what are we really doing? What are we really doing? We're bringing Tyson Fury back to wrestle somebody that is very similar to the last guy he wrestled, but is far less superior than Braun Strowman. You want to put him in the ring with somebody he sucked the first time. And Braun Strowman, he's not bad. He knew what to do in the ring. You want to put him in the ring with somebody that doesn't know half of what Braun Strowman knows? That is a recipe for disaster. I guarantee you, it will be Tyson Fury versus the mighty Nigerian giant, Omar! It's exactly what's going to happen. And then you will reference this show. And when Tyson Fury and Omas is announced, you'll be like, JD, are you really Nostradamus? No, bro, I'm not Nostradamus. I just watched the product and I know what the product is better than anybody. I know how WWE is better than anybody. I know what WWE is going to do before they even think it. This is what will happen. So when you see this match announced, don't be surprised. But yes, Tyson Fury and Drew McIntyre as McIntyre's special enforcer, I think that's the right way to go. I would even, I, I would even have him play part in the final decision. Like a knockout punch to Roman Reigns and then a Claymore kick. Something along those lines, man. I think that would go over big. But WWE more than likely is doing Omas, and then I will cry when that match is announced. And now we will know what match will be our bathroom break on September 3rd when watching Clash at the castle. Vince McMahon. Vince needs to go. Vince McMahon needs to go. The WWE no longer requires the services of 76-year-old, out-of-touch, demented Vince McMahon. The company does not need Vince McMahon or anything like Vince McMahon, anyone like Vince McMahon. Bruce got to go. Johnny Laurinaitis. People power. He's already fired. So why not continue on this train of getting rid of all of Vince McMahon's circus of geeks backstage that seemingly hold ultimate power in this company? Vince needs to go. Story broke this week. Vince McMahon paid another $12 million to four women to suppress sexual misconduct and infidelity, including an ex-WWE superstar. A woman on the roster in 2015. That is also included in this bombshell report by the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal posted another story on Vince McMahon this week. And this one alleges that Vince McMahon paid $12 million in hush money to four women in the past 16 years to suppress allegations of sexual misconduct and infidelity. This amount is a lot more than was previously known in the first report where he paid $3 million to a paralegal while also giving her a $200,000 raise. So this is all on top of what we already know in regards to Vince McMahon. Who the woman is on the roster, I don't know. Nor will I be speculating because I don't want to put people's names in this situation unfairly. And nobody should be revealing who the person is because it's not right. And it's a scumbag move. Wall Street Journal reports 
that the payouts went to women formerly affiliated with WWE, and they all signed agreements that prevented them from discussing potential legal claims or their relationships with him. The story notes that there was a $7.5 million pact with a former wrestler that alleged that Vince McMahon coerced her into giving him oral sex and then demoted her and then declined to renew her contract in 2015 after she resisted more sexual encounters with Vince. The Wall Street Journal also reports that the wrestler and her attorney approached McMahon in 2018 to negotiate a payment in return for her silence. So she demanded more money. Otherwise, she was going to oust him on social media, and this would have been a lot worse than it is now. Wall Street Journal also reports that a WWE contractor presented the company with unsolicited nudes of Vince McMahon that she reportedly received from him, and McMahon agreed to pay this person $1 million to keep that person out of the public spotlight as well with the inclusion of these nudes. The last thing I want to visualize is the genetic jackhammer standing under the T-Rex skull in the nude, fully nude. I don't want to see it. I don't want to think it. I don't want to know it. It's disgusting. Wall Street Journal also reports that a 2016 agreement with a former manager who worked for Vince McMahon and claimed that the manager was paid $1 million to keep quiet about a sexual relationship. They also reported, obviously this was the previous report, the first report, the $3 million hush pact reached in January between McMahon and a former paralegal with whom he allegedly had an affair with. This is being investigated right now by WWE's board of directors along with all these new claims and allegations, along with the claims that John Laurinaitis had a relationship with the same woman, the same paralegal. In addition to that, the board is looking into a claim that there was a $1.5 million non-disclosure agreement reached in 2012 with an employee that made misconduct claims about John Laurinaitis. Laurinaitis is currently on leave, a.k.a. fired. He's not coming back. So uh, they won't downright say it, but I will. I don't give a fuck. I will. John Laurinaitis is fired. Laurinaitis is fired, and the board right now, um, they're obviously investigating. But a lot of people with Laurinaitis believe that he has what is being called a golden parachute. In his absence, he's not coming back. The locker room feels that John Laurinaitis is done. He will never return here or in any capacity anywhere. He's got a golden parachute is what the term used to describe John John Laurinaitis' situation. The company's going to be taking care of him even after all this is over. So, you know, whatever happens to him, the company's going to take care of him. No question about it. So the Wall Street Journal noted that neither attorney for Laurinaitis or McMahon have responded to requests for comment. Clearly, they're not going to say anything regarding this situation. In response to PW Insider, they report that WWE issued a, st- a statement to staff commenting that they are taking these claims seriously and will continue to cooperate with the investigation by the board of directors. The Wall Street Journal has published a second story with expanded details on its initial WWE report last month. We want to reiterate that we and our board of directors take these allegations seriously We've been cooperating fully with the investigation led by our board of directors and will continue to do so until its conclusion. Please note 
that upon its conclusion, WWE leadership will make itself available to answer any questions you may have, end quote. Now, Fightful is reporting this week as well. This is going back to uh, the first reports and the first claims of sexual misconduct and all the allegations that came out last month. Fightful reported that they were contacted by multiple WWE staff, including some who remained quiet in the past about McMahon's handling of the situation. One person said they wish they spoken out sooner and noted McMahon's response would often go from no selling the whole thing to being very defiant. This person said that after McMahon's pointless, quote-unquote, pointless June 17th appearance on SmackDown, he returned to the gorilla position after that waste of time appearance on SmackDown where the news broke that afternoon. He made himself available for SmackDown, came out on live television amidst all these allegations, He went on TV and shilled the then-now-forever-together bullshit. He went back to Gorilla after that 30 seconds and shouted, Fuck him. Fuck him. Seemingly in response to the allegations that caused his insistence to appear on television. Fuck him. I said this earlier in the week. Fuck him is A... Vince McMahon telling everybody he is still in charge no matter what is on public record about Stephanie McMahon being the interim CEO. Fuck him, also underneath fuck him, is coded with Vince McMahon telling everybody without actually directly telling them that he is not going anywhere. And when he wins this, he will be a lot worse when all of this is cleared and he's back to work on a regular basis. And he reclaims that spot, that title of CEO, which right now I fail to really believe any of the stories that claim that Stephanie McMahon is really, really in charge. I don't think she's fully in charge. I think the company's still being run by, by, by Vince McMahon. There's no reason for us not to believe that. Now, Is Vince McMahon in a much shittier position after all of this week? Yes. I hope that this is something that continues to just pile on Vince McMahon's fucking, you know, mountain. And I I, I hope that he gets suffocated and and can't find his way up to breathe. I, I hope that he continues to suffocate and more and more and more dirt becomes available, just piling one on top of the other. I pray for a day. I wish for a day. I have dreamed of a day for many, many, many years. As long as I've been doing this podcast, many years I've dreamed of a day where this company has nothing to do with Vince McMahon. I've dreamed of a day where this company is running without any influence at all from Vince McMahon or anybody that he has handpicked or chosen to be a part of his team. That's what I wish for. That's what I want, and that's what we need. This defiance, this power that seemingly is, it's poison, the company's poison. Vince McMahon is the head of the snake, and the poison, the poison venom runs through John Laurinaitis and Bruce and Ed Kosky and Kevin Dunn and everybody that has been appointed to some level of power in WWE by Vince McMahon. If you cut the head of the snake off and Vince is gone, 
It will happen slowly but surely. It's not going to be an overnight thing. I do think that the rest of them will wither away and die. Stephanie at that point will fully take over. And Stephanie at that point will have complete control of the company. And Stephanie at that point will start handing out terminations. And the power will be free. And it will float and flow to others that are much better off suited for those positions currently held by all of Vince McMahon's hand-appointed circus. The reason why Vince McMahon is backstage and creative right now, even though he is under fire with all these allegations, is because that is the one thing that will keep him in power in the company. He can't do anything publicly in the eyes of the board of directors. He can't be the head of the board of directors. He can't be the CEO. He's not the controlling, you know, Vince McMahon that we, that we know on Wall Street. This is what will keep him in everybody's mind and everybody's ears and still show to everybody that the show is being run by Vince McMahon. He is the number one guy. The show, the buck, stops with Vince McMahon. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's what he wants. This is what he does. And as long as he's there, everything is ne- everything right now that you see, nothing will ever change. Nothing. So Vince in that position, he shouldn't be. Vince in that position is no different than what Vince was doing before all these allegations came out. But I do believe that Vince needs to get out of the position that he's in right now. I hope that he is ousted from his CEO position. I really do. And I hope that WWE, you know, is in a position where they are forced to get rid of him. Will WWE get rid of him? How will they get rid of him? Can it happen? I don't know. I don't know. This type of behavior for somebody like him, somebody with all his power and money, leading a multi, multi, multi-million dollar company, this is nothing new. Everybody that's in his position, these greedy, old, fucking dirty perverts, thinking that they can get away with every, everything, thinking that they have more power than God. This is nothing new for somebody in his position. This happens everywhere, not only WWE. This happens in every major multi-million, multi-billion dollar corporation. Seriously, look at what happened with Activision. Look at what happened to Activision with all the sexual harassment claims and allegations coming out of Activision with their head of CEO. Well, that head of creative, right? Look at them. While he was at the top, 
I don't know if he knew or not, but if he did, if he knew, he allowed all that to happen. He allowed all of that to happen. They were eventually bought out by Xbox and Microsoft, but he will remain in charge. For right now, he is still in charge of everything over at Activision. This shit happens everywhere. It doesn't matter if it's Vince or fucking some no-name running some multi-billion dollar corporation. It's the same shit with everybody that is a Vince McMahon. And we should know this is Vince McMahon's typical behavior. It is just more, I guess, in your face now because of what we saw of him during the Attitude Era and all the shit that he used to do on TV and the crude jokes and the way he came off and the fucking kiss my ass club and the genetic jackhammer and the grapefruits and all this other shit is fucking play with the blondes and being a woman, you know, not really a womanizer, but uh, a dirty old man flirting with the blondes and all this other shit that you have come to know and love about Vince McMahon. You know, we should not be surprised when we hear stories like this, but You know, thinking back to everything, when you watch those clips now in 2022, it's going to hit a little different because, you know, you really didn't think about it then, but now you're hearing all this shit and you watch all that shit happen back during the Attitude Era and before that, you're going to piece the puzzle together and say, Jesus fucking Christ, this guy on TV was really playing out what he is and who he is in real life. Ridiculous. Vince McMahon needs to be removed completely in every aspect of the company. Stephanie McMahon needs to take control of the company. Triple H and Paul Heyman need to be in charge of creative, and they need to assign themselves with their own teams. Will this day come? I certainly fucking hope so. I I, I hope so. I pray for it. It needs to happen. The WWE will be in a terrible, terrible, terrible place creatively if Vince McMahon gets away from this and has all of this swept under the rug. He will be absolutely unbearable. He will be worse than he ever was if he gets away with all of this. And all of this is a non-thing six months from now. He needs to be gone. I don't know how we do it. He's got 80% more, probably that, more than that, and more than 80% of the controlling stocks in the company. He owns the majority of the power in the company. It's not going anywhere. They can't get rid of him. He's not getting rid of himself. Nick Khan. This is the other point that I tried to make. Clearly, somebody on the board of directors knows a lot of dirt. I don't know what it's costing them. I don't know what the Wall Street Journal is getting out of this. But somebody on that board of directors, and there's only 12 of them, 12 of them, somebody on that board of directors knows exactly what's going on. I don't know who's filling Wall Street Journal's ears with all this shit, but it can only be two people that I know of, three people. And I'll tell you who it's not. I don't think it's Triple H. He's one of the culprits, possibly. It's not Triple H. Stephanie McMahon, I don't think it's his own daughter. It's not Kevin Dunn. Kevin Dunn would fucking go to war, man. He would absolutely die for Vince McMahon. He's not doing anything to get Vince McMahon in any hot water whatsoever. There's only two people. There's only two people. It may not even be somebody on the board of directors. If it was anybody on the board of directors, it's definitely Nick Khan. I have a feeling Nick Khan is down and dirty more than you really realize and understand. I really do believe Nick Khan was brought in to fucking just take the company and he's doing whatever he can to build it up as this huge entity to ultimately sell the company for much more than what it's really worth. 
That's what his job was from day one. Could it be Nick Khan? Everybody wants to make fun of Nick Khan that he's Thanos and he's wiping away the McMahon empire one by one. Could be Nick Khan. It could be Shane McMahon. It could be Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon was blackballed from the WWE by his own family. Could be Shane McMahon. Could be Shane giving all the info to the Wall Street Journal on his daddy's skeletons. All the skeletons in that Vince McMahon closet could be thanks to Shane McMahon. I don't know who it is, man, but it's somebody that's definitely in Vince McMahon's inner circle, and that inner circle is very, very small. Could be Linda. Could be Linda. I'm sure Linda knows about everything that Vince McMahon has been doing, especially for the last 16 years. Could be Linda. Could be his own wife. Could be Linda McMahon getting back at Vince for all that he has done to her and... She went to the Wall Street Journal and said, fuck you. You want to play around for all these years? Now I got you by the balls. Let me see you fucking jackhammer your way out of this one. You fucking dirty, perverted bitch. Could be Linda. I don't know. But it's somebody definitely on Vince McMahon's inner circle. I'm not here to say who it is. I don't have any idea who it is. We could poke fun and speculate all we want. But somebody on the inside of Vince's circle is definitely feeding the Wall Street Journal with some juicy, juicy, juicy details. So Fightful also went on to say that McMahon's behavior was heavily rumored amongst the writing team. Though Fightful wasn't told if elements of coercion and NDAs were well known, a former writer said that McMahon's relationships would be a half-joking excuse as to why he'd be late to meetings before weekly television. Everyone that Fightful spoke to continues to believe that John Laurinaitis, like I said before, is done with the company, but they believe he has a golden parachute deal with the company that will likely take care of him after all of this is over. Female talent spoke to Fightful last year following his promotion back to talent relations, expressing their frustration. Of course they would express their frustration. With John Laurinaitis in charge, he doesn't want a women's revolution. He wants divas revolution. That's what he wants. He doesn't give a shit about women's wrestling. He only wants to surround himself with women that he could see as eye candy or women that he could abuse and take advantage of and possibly sleep with. That's John John Laurinaitis' job. He didn't take his job all that seriously. He was another perverted bitch in Vince McMahon's camp. It's funny. He's married to the Bella's uh, mother. He is the husband of the Bella's mother, right? He has a wife. He went and cheated with his paralegal, shilled off from Vince McMahon. He had fun. Nobody's really bringing up the fucking huge aspect that the Bella's mother is suffering from brain cancer and she's dealing with that. Meanwhile, John Laurinaitis is off having fucking rendezvous with young 20-something paralegals that are employed by World Wrestling Entertainment. I mean, if the guy should rot in hell, it should be for that and that alone. I hope the Bella's absolutely fucking cut his balls off. That's what should be done. She had a brain tumor. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. She's suffering and he's fucking gallivanting around. People power. It's unreal. Johnny Ace's ninth life is about to be lost, says one WWE higher up. Good. Good. The better off, or, or the better without him. WWE is much better off without him. 
McMahon has appeared on three episodes of Raw and SmackDown since the first scandal broke and made a rare public appearance at UFC 276. He is slated to be, um, obviously, in that creative role. He is the head of creative right now for WWE, and that's right now potentially all that he's doing with WWE. That is the extent, quote-unquote, of his power, which we know is not the case whatsoever. Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho commented about the Vince McMahon scandal. He was asked in a recent interview if he's surprised that Vince McMahon allegedly paid out millions to women. He said, not really. I mean, is it a surprise in any industry when it happens? And really, you know, when you look at it, it's not really illegal. He had an affair. Paid the lady off to not say anything and moved on. So it's almost like, okay, and what? People want to jump on it. But there's still always an undertone of it's wrestling. It's just wrestling. If you look, that story came out with a bang, and then you really haven't heard anything about it since. If this was Hollywood with Harvey Weinstein and something along those lines, the big difference between that was he was holding women back from getting gigs, Harvey Weinstein. He would say, you either bang me or you don't get the starring role. In Vince's thing, there was a mutual acknowledgement of this affair, and then he paid the lady to say nothing, and she took the money. So you know I really know Vince well, and it sucks that it happened. It sucks that he did it, but is it anything that we should be concerned about, or is it anything that we are really going to have to worry about? Is anything going to come of it? I don't think so, he says. Jericho continued and said, I think it'll come and go. And once again, is it morally right? Absolutely not. Is it illegal? No. No, it's not. Is it something that is going to get him in real trouble? I don't think so. Because once again, unfortunately, people will say, oh, it's just Vince McMahon. Oh, it's just wrestling. Of course he's going to do that. So you know those things come and go and they happen. And it's too bad. But I really think it doesn't really matter in the long run And you know, six months from now, I'll either be right or I will be wrong. Vince McMahon, according to Chris Jericho, will get away with all of this and nothing will have reports on Vince McMahon and his biopic or documentary. I don't don't know what type of uh, movie or film or series they were going to do on Vince McMahon on Netflix, but Netflix has already canceled their documentary on Vince McMahon. So Jericho may say that nothing's going to come of it, but the documentary on Netflix has already been fucking canceled. They were deep in post-production with talent interviews being done months ago. A lot of money will be lost on this project. So much money went into this thing, and now it is not airing. Apparently, sources said that Vince McMahon's Netflix documentary has been pulled and is off the programming sheet for Netflix. It was supposed to come out this year. A source at Netflix confirmed it no longer is being listed on their spreadsheet. Another source at Netflix stated that that shit is out of here, end quote. Other sources indicated that the project was already deep in post-production with several talent interviews being done months ago and that millions were spent on this project. So one of the producers on the project said that um, millions were spent on this. They declined to confirm 
or deny this story to several sources. It remains to be seen uh, if any of this is related to the uh, WWE and investigation right now being conducted by the board of directors, but one has to assume that this obviously, obviously uh, is no coincidence that all of this is happening and then all of a sudden Netflix pulls this documentary that was supposed to air this year on their uh, on their streaming service about Vince McMahon. It definitely has to do with what is going on right now. So somebody like that, somebody like that, somebody like Netflix is already pulling something that hasn't even began to air and Jericho is out here saying that nothing's going to come of it. He may be right. He may be right. Jericho knows Vince McMahon very well. Jericho's been around the block once or twice. He knows what the fuck he's talking about. But if Jericho says nothing is going to come of this, obviously we've already seen something come of this in the way of Netflix pulling this documentary. Now, what I find to be bizarre and kind of laughable is that this is something that I would actually want to see in a documentary. This is something that makes a documentary even that much more intriguing. They're legitimately pulling this documentary that are being leaked right now to the Wall Street Journal in regards to Vince McMahon. So I find that to be a little bizarre, but I get why Netflix is pulling this documentary off of their streaming service. They got their own fucking bullshit that they have going on right now, and they don't want to look any bad or any worse, I should say, um, in what is going on with them. If they air this Vince McMahon documentary, they don't want to get in any more hot water than they are already in. I get it. But like I said from the very beginning, man, no matter what Jericho says, no matter what the fucking geeks online that praise this man like a god say, you know, it's not going to stop Vince McMahon from being Vince McMahon. I'm sure we'll see him on television again, and you'll get these fucking absolute no-life pathetic virgins in the crowd bowing to Vince McMahon like he's some sort of fucking savior, right? Like he's some idol. Nothing will change. Netflix can pull this documentary. All these people can say whatever they want about Vince McMahon. People like me and people like everybody else in the community can claim that WWE would be better off without Vince McMahon there. And that is absolutely true. It would. Vince McMahon or people like Vince McMahon at his age should not be running creative for a company that is trying to appeal to an 18 to 49 demographic. He is so out of touch. I don't understand why anybody thinks that he should be the right man for that job. It is power. It is nothing but power. He is so fucking afraid that the power, if he gives it up, is going to be in the hands of somebody and that person, when they wield that power, is going to do a better job than him. It is fucking greed. That is what's keeping Vince McMahon around in WWE in a creative aspect. He doesn't give a shit about the company. Clearly, he doesn't give a shit about the creative side of the company. If he did, the shows wouldn't be as terrible as they are now. That is what it boils down to. Vince McMahon is only there because of the power he wields and the power that he gives out to everybody around him that is in his inner circle. He knows that when he's not there, if he hires everybody that's just like him, when he's not there, the show is going to be run exactly how it is when he is there. He's brainwashed these people to run the fucking show, to write the ship, to run the show and every, everything about it. Every single time he's not there, he's brainwashed these people to do that. And how long has Bruce been with Vince? 25, 30 years? That's a lot of mileage on Bruce Pritchard. 
Bruce is nothing more than Vince McMahon 2.0. He's the second most powerful man in that company backstage. That's what Vince McMahon does. It's all power. It's all greed. You got to drain the swamp, man. You got to drain the swamp. I've said this for months now. I said this for years, never mind months. When the swamp is drained of everything that is Vince McMahon's influence, this show will be a lot better off for it. I don't know how we get there. I don't know how it's done. I don't know if the board of directors with their investigation, when it's concluded, how they get Vince McMahon out of there with him holding 80% of the fucking controlling stocks, controlling shares in the company. I don't know. I don't know. Can they force him to step down? But this investigation, will it lead to him being ousted as chairman of the board? Now, Jericho says nothing may come of this. But this is not 2005. This is 2022. This is not 20, 30, 40 years ago. This is 2022. I mean, you fucking breathe, and they're looking to cancel you. You say something out of line, and that's taken out of context. You got fucking people wishing for your demise. You got people wanting to cancel you. Is this shit going to fly in 2022? Are people going to make a big fucking scene about Vince McMahon being back to work after all of his fucking behavior here? That clearly is that of a degenerate. Is this the proper look for a multi-million dollar company? Is Fox going to say anything? Is NBC Universal going to say anything? I find it hard to believe that they will. Just like the shareholders and just like Wall Street. When Vince McMahon is in charge, when Vince McMahon is there holding all the power, they trust Vince McMahon in power. When Vince is not there, that trust goes right out the window. They're not going to trust Triple H. They're not going to trust Nick Khan. They're not going to trust Stephanie McMahon. They're going to trust Vince. When Vince is there, the money is made. And that's all they care about. I don't know what is going to happen. You would think that Fox does something about it or says something about it. You would think that NBC Universal does and says something about it. They haven't said jack shit in regards to the most littlest things. The things that they should really be fucking complaining about. They don't even bring that shit up to Vince McMahon now. They're going to bring this shit up? Without Vince there, then there is no WWE. That is the fucking mentality with everybody that does business with WWE. Without Vince, what is WWE? That's all they know. Without Vince, I guarantee you, without Vince, the company would thrive. You would see a better creative product instantly without Vince McMahon. I guarantee you. We'll get to six months in. If Triple H and Paul Heyman are in charge, I guarantee you, man, the quality of the product on TV would be drastically different. And we'll talk about Triple H a little bit later on in the show because I got news about something that's going on right now that could potentially lead to all the rumors being a reality about Triple H being back in power. Writers, the WWE writing staff, have been very suspicious about Vince McMahon's relationship with certain talent. Melcher talked about this with Garrett Gonzalez as he covered the, Vince, covered the Vince McMahon allegations published by the Wall Street Journal on Friday. Melcher said, and I quote, I talked to some of the writers from that era in the mid-2000s, one in particular, for a long time today, and they would say that sometimes Vince came in and it was like, you got to start pushing this woman. And it's not told to them that Vince is sleeping with them or anything. But when you get this directive that you have to push this woman who clearly was not ready to be in the ring, 
wasn't ready to take a microphone and cut a promo, wasn't over, and you start asking questions, most of the questions would later lead to the same answers. This is not anything new in regards to Vince McMahon. On the allegations by the paralegal, Melcher said, people in the company certainly knew of who she was and that story when it was going on because they saw her rise to the top. In her case, she never applied for a job with World Wrestling Entertainment, the paralegal. She met Vince at Vince's place of residence, which is the Trump Hotel in his penthouse in Connecticut, and where she apparently lives as well. And Vince offered her, oh yes, quite convenient, that the paralegal lives in the same fucking building that Vince McMahon lives in. He lives on the penthouse suite at the top of the fucking building, and she's somewhere in the building. Quite convenient for Vince McMahon to do what he's got to do, man. She apparently lives there as well. Vince offered her a job and was going to increase her salary from $100,000 to $300,000. And I guess bells would have went off with that kind of raise. So it was only one hundred dollars to $200,000, which still, some of the bells went off. She was also allegedly uh, there and had been moved out of one department to the assistant, or to be the assistant of John Laurinaitis. And I guess the allegation is that John Laurinaitis had an affair with her and she was paid $3 million to keep quiet. That was all very recently. Most of these other cases are in the mid-2000s uh, slash Divas era search. One of the wrestlers who was demoted in 2005 and later received the $7.5 million payout, Melcher said, I've been told two names. I'm not going to be talking about names because it's not really fair to the women. There's a very familiar ring to the story. I know one writer who told me one name. It is that Diva Search era people that a lot of them came and went very quickly, then were brought to the main roster because they looked good in bikinis, and then they were all gone. It's a real ugly situation when you think about it. Just like I said before, John Laurinaitis was a part of that fucking product as well. That mentality of John Laurinaitis, Bruce, and Vince McMahon, and they're all cut from the same cloth. The Divas era search, the Divas search era, I should say, the Divas search was only done because the old guard, the fucking old hags, the old perverts in that company needed more eye candy to fill their locker room with, and that's all they cared about, man. They didn't give a shit about finding the next superstar in WWE. They wanted to find the next woman that they could sleep with and then pay off to keep quiet for over two decades. It's exactly what they wanted to do. This behavior should not be a surprise to anybody. It is disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting. And I do hope, based on the grounds of it being disgusting and the public image that it brings to WWE, that the board of directors gets rid of the fucking source and cuts the head off the snake because they don't want their fucking company affiliated with somebody who behaves like he's fucking a, a, a college dropout wanting to party every fucking week. Get him out. Get him out. Melcher pointed out how the story about McMahon forcing oral sex to the ex-wrestler fits a pattern because McMahon was alleged to have done the same thing with Rita Chatterton in 1986. The other allegation reported by the Wall Street Journal about McMahon sending unsolicited nude photos lines up with the story about the alleged sexual assault at the tanning salon in Boca Raton, Florida. McMahon and his attorney, Jerry McDevitt, have not publicly commented on the latest Wall Street Journal story. Like I said, man, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but uh, we, need, we need this company to be 
cleansed. Cleansed from within. It needs to start with Vince McMahon. It really needs to start with Vince McMahon. Get him out. Just get him out. I can't wait for that day, man. I pray. I pray every day for a better WWE. Get him out. This guy is being heralded as some fucking god. Meanwhile, lives are being destroyed. Millions are being fucking paid. A company's image is fucking dwindling day by day because of its great leader in Vince McMahon. And everybody's saying he's going to get away with it scot-free. It's a shame. I pray for a day that this man is gone in every aspect of this company. And I hope that day comes very, very soon. Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. They held a recent talent meeting. Comments during that talent meeting have now been revealed. According to a report from WrestleVotes over the weekend, interim CEO Stephanie McMahon held a meeting with WWE talent ahead of the Money in the Bank premium live event, and the same report notes it was generally well-received. Since the report came out, Fightful and PW Insider have both confirmed it, with both also adding Triple H and Nick Khan, man, WWE President Nick Khan, were also in attendance. According to Fightful, all three are well-liked by talent, and went as far as saying Stephanie McMahon in particular is outright adored by many in the company. PW Insider was told by one source that this was a very much rah-rah meeting in which everyone was told that WWE is one big family that is working together and noted no new ground was broken in regards to either the status of Vince McMahon or John Laurinaitis. According to Fightful, Stephanie McMahon told talent that her door is always open to them. Very different than when we hear reports about Vince McMahon being Batman and you can't find him at all backstage. And Bruce, who you want to go fucking air your grievances out to, doesn't even remotely give one iota of a fuck about what you think. You want to talk to Vince? You can't even go and talk to the new head of talent relations because he doesn't give a shit because he's not going to take something back to Vince McMahon that is going to get him in hot water. He'd rather not deal with it at all. Some fucking company backstage you got there, Vince. Some fucking model employee you are, Bruce. Stephanie McMahon's door is always, always open. This was the same fucking thing that Triple H did in NXT. They, they called him Papa H for a reason. They called Triple H Papa H for a reason. How many fucking people went to Triple H and he was the one to give them a shoulder to cry on. Even when he made sporadic main roster appearances and all the NXT guys that were getting fucking slaughtered creatively on the main roster went to Triple H and asked him for guidance because they knew that once upon a time he took care of them. And there's nothing that he can do now. But his shoulder was there for them to cry on. What do you need from me, my son? That's the type of mentality that Triple H created in NXT. Family-like environment. Everybody was so close. Everybody from Sasha Banks to Bailey to Asuka and those that went back to NXT always gave you the interpretation of the differences between the main roster and NXT. You go down to NXT, it's unlike anything you've seen before compared to the main roster. There's no stress whatsoever. None. You go to the main roster, everybody's walking on eggshells. You can't get Vince McMahon. You can't talk to anybody. Nobody cares about what you do or how you feel. Nothing. Nothing. No, but as long as they're giving you uh, the, the terrible crib that they're giving you and you need to do without acting up or giving them lip, just go and do it. 
You owe us. You want to be here, you follow our rules. It's our way or the high. They don't give a fuck. They don't give a shit at all. Very, very different. Stephen McMahon's door is always open. It was reportedly reiterated that Triple H, who took several months away due to health issues, is now back with the company full-time. Both Fightful and PW Insider noted that they have not heard that Vince McMahon was in the meeting, although he was in the building as head of creative for the Money in the Bank show. I want to talk about this now because it definitely goes with what I just mentioned about Stephanie McMahon. Apparently, WWE is back to possibly signing independent wrestlers again. This was the way of NXT Black and Gold. This is what Triple H, William Regal, and everybody else on his team went out there and did. They scoured the indies for the best talent possible. Now, with this news, it gets me excited. To hear this, it gets me excited. Independent stars still do get signed to the company. They do. WWE's not making them a primary focus as they have their NIL program, their next in-line program. They want cheerleaders. They want lacrosse. They want football. They want gymnasts, Olympic athletes, you name it. They want everybody from all walks of life in the sports world to come on in while they fail at their first sport, come on in and try and be a WWE superstar. Do you have what it takes to be the next WrestleMania headliner? That's their NIL program. Triple H apparently is in charge of their NIL program. It's not really the program that he wants or wanted, but this is the program now set forth by Vince McMahon, Bruce Prichard, and Nick Khan, and John Laurinaitis when he was there. This is the program set forth by new management because that's what they want. They don't want aging, independent pro wrestlers that have been on the fucking circuit for 20 years that they have to retrain all over again to work the WWE style because they don't want any of that indie style uh, being incorporated into what they do on television. They don't want somebody like Adam Cole. They don't want somebody like Samoa Joe. They don't want somebody like, uh, you know, Jay Lethal or, or guys like that. They don't want nobody like that. They don't want anybody like that. But when free agents are going to be out there in the, in the likes of Wardlow and Darby Allin and MJF, you know, WWE would be quick to go out there and sign them and bring them into the company because all the work was pretty much done by Tony Khan. All the work would be done by AEW. WWE doesn't really have to do anything. They're already made men. That's what they like. They don't want the indies because they don't want to have to retrain you the WWE way. They'd rather have somebody come in from day one, no shit, and then train you as if WWE is the only fucking promotion in the existence of pro wrestling. That's what they want. But they would be fucking quick to take an MJF or a Jake Cargill or anybody from AEW and bring them on into WWE. So really, is it that? I find WWE to be very hypocritical. Now, the NIL program is fucking a complete farce anyway. The NIL program is where WWE wants to train all these nobodies, all these losers who failed at their first fucking sport to be a WWE superstar. But then they want to get rid of the likes of Parker Boudreaux. They want to get rid of Harland, who was NIL, right? He was the very foundation, the very basis of NIL. So now you release Parker Boudreaux, who was signed to their NIL program or because of their NIL program, right? 
You release him because he's not getting caught up the way that you want. And now you release him to the Indies. Now at the end of the day, what is Parker Boudreaux when he wrestles, if he wants to wrestle? I don't know what that man wants to do. If he goes back out there, he will now be a a professional wrestler on the independent circuit. It's not going to be part of the NIL program. So when WWE sees Parker Boudreaux killing it on the indies and growing and maturing to be the superstar that they wanted, when they look at him, it's not going to be NIL. He's going to be an independent professional wrestler. It's the way I see it. I don't understand that. The NIL program is a complete fucking farce. That's all it is. It's bullshit. It's something that was instituted because they realized what Triple H was doing was the right way, and they wanted to eradicate everything that Triple H set forth with NXT Black and Gold. They don't want anything that Triple H was doing right because it would outclass them and it would prove them that what they did is wrong. Or worse. That's exactly what it is. So Triple H recently said, I'm back. I don't know how truthful that is. That remains to be seen. Now, despite this being the focus, signing independent professional wrestlers, Dave Meltzer is reporting that in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that WWE has contacted a number of independent wrestlers to see if they'd be interested in trying out for WWE. Oh, really? Wow. Why the change of heart there, Bruce? Huh? Well, the idea, Meltzer says, is still to recruit good-looking college or other athletes and train them to be wrestlers, WWE superstars. They have contacted some indie talent for tryouts in Nashville over SummerSlam weekend. WWE has, of course, had massive success with signing independent stars in the past, so it's no surprise to hear that they're still on the lookout for future stars. So they want to get rid of everybody that they got rid of, and then they want to invite these people back, these independent pro wrestlers back during SummerSlam week to maybe potentially try out for WWE in hopes of getting signed to World Wrestling Entertainment. Why would they be bringing in independent professional wrestlers when they've made it seem like such a terrible thing to bring in somebody that was on the indie circuit? That was frowned upon. That was Triple H's way of life in building NXT black and gold while also cultivating from within the WWE Performance Center. Now they want to change their tune? Triple H recently said, I'm back. Stephanie McMahon, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that that woman was just as upset to what they did to her husband's brand. She was a part of the women's revolution just as much as anybody. She backed everything that her husband did. You don't think that woman was fucking angry when that all was wiped away and they made her husband look like all the work he did was for nothing? Completely wiped this man off the face of the fucking earth, man. You can't find one fucking thing about what Triple H did in black and gold or hear anything that he did on current television. Nothing, nothing about what that man did is heard or seen anywhere. It's disgusting. You don't think that woman is upset? Stephanie McMahon, if she is really the CEO interim of WWE, maybe one of her directives is for Triple H to get the power back that he once lost. Maybe with this news, And WWE signing independent professional wrestlers. Maybe it is Triple H telling us that what he said is legit. Maybe he is back. Maybe he is back. Because I know, again, beyond the shadow of a doubt, 
that Triple H is not content with only signing NIL athletes, next-in-line athletes. WWE is going to have to go the route of signing independent professional wrestlers. I'd rather have somebody now who is at the age of 28, 29, 30, who knows what they're doing and has years of experience under their belt already. You don't have to teach them much of anything. They know how to move. All you got to do is cultivate a character, a gimmick, some personality, give them the WWE appeal, give them the WWE presentation, and have them go out there and do what they have to do. This NIL program is never going to be the end-all, be-all to find the next WrestleMania main eventer or the next household name. By the time we get there, it may be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. We don't know who's coming out of this NIL program that may be the next Austin or Cena or The Rock. There'll never be any one of those men ever again. But you think the NIL program, the way that WWE is going right now with their six-month fucking trial basis, half of them will be fucking fired. Not everybody's going to pick this up like somebody like Adam Cole that you had that could have been a face of the company. WWE needs to sign independent professional wrestlers. Because by the time this NIL program starts to pay itself off, we may be old and gray at that point, and I'm already there. WWE is going to need to sign independent professional wrestlers because, believe it or not, your next headlining act, your next WrestleMania main event, your next face of the company may already be out there, and there's not much that needs to be done with him or her. You'll be waiting forever to get this NIL shit off the ground and maybe find one that fits what you're looking for. I hope Triple H is back, and if that news article is any indication, we may be getting our wish. Check the chat, guys. I appreciate you all very much for hanging out with me today, man. We got 2,200 people live inside the OTS Beer Garden. We got 1,000 likes. We got 1,000 likes. You guys are great, man. You know what I'm going to say? You know what I'm going to say, man? I need 1,500 minimum on the podcast. Hit that thumbs up. If you guys have not done so, hit that thumbs up and continue to support, man. It's the best possible way for you to support. Remember, follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Get those super chats in. We'll hang out at the end of the show, as always. Like I said, today's show is sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Guys, it's time to get off the fucking couch, man. You got to get up off the couch. Come on, man. It's summer. The weather is beautiful. The girls are out. The bars are hopping. The clubs are fucking open all night. It's time to get back out there, man. It's time to get back in the bedroom as well, and that's where Blue Chew can help. Confidence can take you far in life, man. There's a reason why this podcast is number one in the community right now on YouTube. It's because I got that confidence. Not because of Blue Chew. Now, if I took Blue Chew and did this show, man, forget about it. I'd be unstoppable. I'd be unstoppable, but confidence can take you far in life. And when you feel confident, you are at your best, especially when it comes that time to step up to the plate. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets. And it comes at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night. 
so you can plan ahead and be ready whenever that opportunity arises. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their online medical providers. And once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online, man. No doctor's office visits, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA. They are prepared and shipped direct to your door very, very discreetly. Guys, I always talk about first impressions. First impressions to me are very important. Very important, man. Whether you guys are interviewing for a job, out on a first date, Somebody in the WWE Performance Center, man. First impressions are everything. You got to impress your first time out. But what about lasting impressions? Those are just as important. Some said that they just may be as important, if not more, than first impressions. That's where Blue Chew is going to come in, man. Give that that confidence back to you. $5. $5 off. Actually, no. You're going to pay the shipping and handling $5. But you're going to get it for free. Code JD at checkout. BlueChew.com, you're going to get your free sample, F-R-E-E, absolutely free. All you guys have to do is pay the shipping and handling, which is $5. It's BlueChew.com, code JD. And I want to thank them for once again sponsoring the podcast right here on OTS. Let's get into the rest of the news, man. Let's get into the rest of what we want to talk about. We talked about Vince. We talked about Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Let's move on to some Sasha Banks, man. Sasha Banks apparently is being erased from WWE history, removed from the internal roster list, and the latest that WWE has done to remove her from all people's memories in WWE. It's pretty sad, man. This Sasha Banks thing is incredibly pathetic. It's pretty clear now that WWE doesn't think that things will be worked out with Sasha Banks as an edit this week on one of their YouTube videos reflects this statement. WWE posted a top 10 moments video for Paige on their YouTube account. Now, Paige went to the uh, Players' Tribune and wrote a heartfelt goodbye to World Wrestling Entertainment. So they did a top 10 moments for Paige on their YouTube channel. One of the moments included was from 2017 when Paige returned to Monday Night Raw. The original video showed Sasha Banks and Mickey James. But the edited clip shows nothing but a close-up shot of Mickey James and no sign of Sasha Banks. It is worth noting that sometimes WWE.com and the team over on .com will sometimes be proactive in these cases, and they will make edits on their own when a wrestler leaves on bad terms rather than waiting on management to give the directive so this could be something that was decided by the digital media team. However, Vince McMahon has a history of writing off wrestlers that leave the company on unfriendly terms, so this could be something he specifically wanted done in regards to Sasha Banks. I find that to be incredibly petty. You're actively trying to rewrite history, and you don't think... The fans are keen enough or intelligent enough to pick up on that. Do you realize that these Sasha fan accounts and these Sasha stands are relentless? They are ruthless, man. Forget about it. They live, breathe, and die, Mercedes Vernado. They know this woman's bra size. They know this woman's fucking age, sex, and location. They know exactly what time her flight takes off. And what time her flight lands. They know what hotel she's staying at. They know her favorite cold beverage. They know what she does as a nightly ritual before bed. 
They know what Mikaze's sneaker size is. They know everything about this woman. Everything. It's sad. It's quite sad. And you don't think they're going to pick up on Sasha Banks being removed from one of the YouTube clips online? <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. Holy shit. Boy, does Vince take his fucking fans to be a bunch of blithering idiots. Petty. Absolutely fucking petty. This woman is the face of the women's revolution, and you actively want to try it. Who's the face of the women's revolution? Bailey? Am I supposed to think that Bailey is the only one now? Bailey wrestled herself at TakeOver Brooklyn, right? Sure thing, Vince. Sure thing. Banks and Naomi. Nobody's talking about Naomi. This is mostly all about Sasha Banks. Banks and Naomi updated their Instagram bios, and they are no longer referring to themselves as WWE superstars. Their new bio now says that they are professional wrestlers. Ooh. Maybe an indication of where they go, man, where professional wrestling is number one. Maybe. This is not great news for fans who miss them and want to see them back on WWE TV, but good news for fans wondering if they will continue to wrestle. It appears that wrestling is still on the plate for both Sasha Banks and Naomi. In the latest, in the latest of pettiness, Moves by WWE. Sasha Banks, apparently when you go to Peacock and you sign into the streaming platform on Peacock, WWE has removed Sasha Banks as a main Peacock app screen avatar. You can no longer have Sasha Banks as a Peacock avatar upon signing into the app. In the latest, Banks was one of the images that fans could choose as their avatar But that option has now since been removed. Anyone who can choose Banks as their icon will now just get a default NBC Peacock. As of this writing, the only other options available are Asuka and Roman Reigns. I myself have Roman Reigns as my avatar for when I sign in to Peacock. WWE even went to the lengths of removing Sasha Banks as a fucking avatar on the Peacock application. That is fucking Lame. Absolutely fucking lame. PW Insider reported this week that Banks and Naomi were removed from the internal WWE roster sometime within the last seven days. The news about their exit is not a total surprise because it was reported a few weeks ago that Banks had her attorneys involved to work out the details of her release. It is unknown what the terms of her release are or if Naomi was released as well or if there's a non-compete involved. But at some point, they will be free to sign with any wrestling company in the world, including AEW and not Impact Wrestling, because Mercedes is not going to Impact Wrestling. (laughs) Oh, man. You Impact guys, man. You Impact elitists over there, man. You fucking comedians. Let me tell you. She ain't going over there. Get it out of your skulls, okay? Get it out of your system. She's not going there. Give me a break. Mercedes on impact. (laughs) Yeah, what? To wrestle in front of seven people? Give me a fucking break. Naomi. Naomi shares a post about people taking advantage of you and disrespecting you. Naomi has finally broken her silence on social media in regards to all of this nonsense happening with WWE. Naomi reposted this quote, and I quote, 
The moment you put a stop to people taking advantage of you and disrespecting you is when they define you as difficult, selfish, or crazy. Manipulators hate boundaries. Ooh. Naomi over there, man. Naomi get a little feisty on social media. She did not name drop anybody in WWE, but the timing is rather interesting, especially since she and Banks were said to have been removed from the company's internal roster this week. They've both been relatively quiet since walking out. And there have been a lot of rumors and speculation and all this other bullshit about their future in professional wrestling. The only thing that is known is that they still need to get their official release from the WWE. You know, it's sad, man. It, it really it really is. Um, Sasha Banks, all joking aside, if she goes and wrestles, it will be for Tony Khan. She will be going to A. I, 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 beyond the shadow of a doubt. There, there's, no, there's no other reason uh, why this woman would be in wrestling and go anywhere else. She's not going to MLW. She's not going to Impact. <laughs> I still find that to be so funny, man. Mercedes Vernado and Impact. What is she going to wrestle in front of? Five, five people? Come on. Impact. Stardom. She's not going overseas to Japan and living abroad. Sasha is going to wrestle for Tony Khan. That much I know. When it happens, if it happens, I, I, I don't know. I can't tell you. I wish I could. I wish I could. But she will be back in a wrestling ring. It will not be for WWE. And I'm glad that we are where we are right now in regards to this. What I'm not happy about is how this woman has given her life. And seemingly, just like Bruce and Vince and Nick Khan and John Laurinaitis, they all want to walk into the Performance Center and wipe Triple H's fucking resume clean as if it never fucking existed. Now they want to do the same thing with Sasha Banks because of the fucking fault of WWE Creative. WWE Creative is to blame, and they want to take everything out on Sasha Banks and then theoretically blame her for everything and then remove her from all aspects of WWE history. WWE's in the wrong here. I never, again, want to hear WWE is in the right or Sasha Banks and Naomi are, are, are uh, unprofessional. WWE is unprofessional. Their behavior in everything here is unprofessional. It's more unprofessional than anything Sasha Banks and Naomi may have done. This is unprofessional. Vince McMahon is unprofessional. This guy's banging fucking 20-somethings, paying $3 million that fucking night, night's out on the town. Unprofessional. Give me a fucking break, unprofessional. You kidding me? WWE are a bunch of fucking clowns. It is a legit circus. You are not going to erase this woman's history. The women's revolution is because of Sasha and Bailey and that match that they had in Brooklyn. It transcended an entire generation for years to come when these women are old and gray and they got fucking walking sticks or in wheelchairs or in their old fucking age, they'll be fucking committed to old age homes. That match will be used in every pro wrestling school. That match will be an inspiration for everybody for decades to come. Yeah, you want to fucking remove this woman from the annals of WWE history. Little children, women, girls will be watching. Men too. Men and women. Young men and women. Children will be watching this match desiring, aspiring to be pro wrestlers because of what Sasha Banks and Bailey did in Brooklyn that night. 
Yeah, you want to erase everything about Sasha Banks from WWE. You even made Bianca Belair look like a blithering. <laughs> you made her look like a blithering fucking idiot. Interview with Sports Illustrated. Uh, oh, yeah, I made a vented with. Uh, 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 um, yeah, I made a vented WrestleMania and was the first black female to, to main event WrestleMania. What? Who did you wrestle? Did you wrestle a fucking hologram? Did you wrestle by yourself? Did you wrestle your imaginary best friend? Who did you wrestle? You wrestled Mercedes Vernado. You wrestled Sasha Banks. You are not the first woman to main event WrestleMania. Uh, the, the first woman, uh, black woman athlete to main event WrestleMania. You were a part of the team that main evented WrestleMania. The first black females to main event WrestleMania. You were not solo. This was a plural WrestleMania main event. Dual. Two. Dos. Give me a break. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Naomi, I don't know what's going on with Naomi, man. Naomi's a, a huge question mark. Huge question mark. Nobody knows what she's doing or what she's thinking or where she's going. If Naomi leaves, I would be floored. Just because of her ties to the Anna White family and who her husband is. Seriously. She's married to Jimmy Uso. So if she leaves the company, I would be shocked. So we have to wait and see what happens. But WWE actively removing Sasha Banks from history, man? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And, and this, is, this is something I haven't said yet. And I want to call, call to action here. I want to call to action. I want everybody, and, and this is where everybody's really, truly, all you Sasha stands out there, you're really going to be put to the test, man. You're either going to thrive and live up the hype, and you're going to be the... You're going to be on the, the right side of history here, or you are all are going to be fucking hypocrites. I swear to God, man. This is for all the Sasha Banks stands out there. Because I know there are fucking legions of you everywhere, man. You dwell in the fucking, the, the fucking cracks of social media. Seriously, you're like Becky Lynch on a good day. My precious, my precious, my little hobbitses. My little hobbits! My little hobbits! <laughs> My precious! Call to action. Call to action. Seriously. I need you guys. I need you guys to be on the right side of history. When Sasha goes to AEW, if you are not there actively watching AEW and supporting Mercedes, are you really a fan? Or are you going to fucking play into the whole thing that Sasha Banks went to the enemy team. Sasha Banks is now playing for the enemy team, right? Are you going to make this E versus AEW? Or are you going to go out there and support Mercedes, who obviously has this power and, and this appeal to so many people on social media? Is she going to be there and lead this division by herself? You're going to be there with her? I certainly hope so. It's a call to action, man. This is where you have to stand up and prove your fandom. Otherwise, there are going to be a lot of fucking hypocrites out there, man. And I'll be here calling out every single fucking one of you, man. Seriously. You're going to stand up and support or are you going to make yourself look like a fucking fake-ass bitch? That's what I want to know. Because you know it's coming. You know it's coming. Sasha has already walked out of the company Sasha has had grievances with the company that you would not even believe. This is the time to leave, and the time to do it is now. 
If she goes back, she proves everything that WWE did is the right way. She's not going back there. She would look like a loser if she went back there. She can make any amount of money anywhere else. She's done everything. She wants to go to Hollywood, she'll go to Hollywood. She wants to make money there, she'll go make money there. She wants to go lead another division and be a part of a new revolution, she'll go and do that. She can do whatever she wants. I'm telling you right now, man, these Sasha stands out there. If you ain't backing our girl here and you're on social media fucking fighting for what is right with Sasha Banks and then you don't apply that and put that to good use when she goes somewhere else, anywhere else but the E... I'll be here to fucking call you out, bitch. I'll be here to call you out. And believe me, I will do it. If I got to take a list of fucking names and call you out individually one by one, I'll be sitting here till fucking 2027. Seriously. Put up or shut up. The time is now. WWE. WWE apparently is no longer worried about Ric Flair and the heat from Dark Side of the Ring. And the relationship with WWE between he and Fla, uh, th- them and Flair seems to be okay now. So the relationship with WWE is okay coming out of Ric Flair's camp. And they're not worried about the Dark Side of the Ring series anymore. Or, or what had happened with that plane ride from hell episode regarding Ric Flair and Dark Side of the Ring. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why WWE is not worried about it. Let's read this article first. As many fans who have watched Raw this past Monday, you may have noticed, because I noticed, Ric Flair apparently was back in the signature intro of the show that kicks off Monday Night Raw and WWE television. Flair commented on his Twitter and seemed very happy to be included again. He was initially removed after the Dark Side of the Ring episode on the plane ride from hell that included allegations with a flight attendant. Maybe this woman was paid off $3 million as well. Who the fuck knows? Meltzer reported in The Observer, that the belief is that whatever heat there was from that episode is now done. There were already signs that things were better between the E and Flair because they worked with him on the WWE Heels show that aired on Peacock. It was just a matter of time before everything blew over. Flair has said on his podcast that people from WWE would be attending his last match in Nashville. Flair's tweet on Monday said, and I quote, The most hurtful moment in my entire career was losing my spot. Thank you so much for giving me back my dignity and my life. At WWE, at Vince McMahon, hashtag WWE Raw. Ric Flair's Twitter is annoying, man. Ric Flair tweets with uh, every letter of the word. Every first letter in the word that he tweets is a capital letter. So the most hurtful moment in my entire career was losing my spot. Every first letter in all of those words is a capital letter. That annoys the shit out of me, man. That gives me, that gives me fucking uh, OCD problems. Seriously, or ADD. I can't stand looking at that shit, man. Why? Why is every first letter of every word a capital fucking letter? Does anybody know proper fucking English or proper uh, grammar? It's not what I learned. I never wrote with anything uh, along those lines. You kidding me? Woo! WWE's not worried about Ric Flair and the dark side of the ring thing anymore because they've actively gone out there and got dark side of the ring canceled. They got dark side of the ring canceled, man. WWE, what, what, what dark side of the ring is on? What? What? what Vice TV? Is it Vice TV owned by uh, AOA? What, what are they on? AMC? Not AMC. That's Walking Dead. Uh, A and E. 
Doesn't A&E own True, uh, True TV? I don't know what, True TV, A&E? Doesn't uh, A&E own Vice TV? WWE is in a working partnership with multitudes of hours produced, content being produced for A&E. WWE actively has gotten Dark Side of the Ring fucking axed. You'll never see Dark Side of the Ring on True, uh, True TV. I can't even fucking get the, the goddamn channel right. Vice TV. True TV is Impractical Jokers. I'm thinking True TV because I just saw Chris Jericho on fucking Impractical Jokers on Thursday. WWE has a working relationship with A&E, and Vice TV is the home of Dark Side of the Ring, and WWE is not going to have that shit happen under their watch while they're in a working relationship with A&E. It's ridiculous. Dark Side of the Ring is gone. Everything you came to know and love about Dark Side of the Ring is finished. And that's what happened. So WWE welcomed Ric Flair back. They got Ric Flair back and they canceled the show that was incriminating to everything that was WWE. That's exactly what happened here. I may be in Nashville for SummerSlam, man. I'm still waiting to hear back from Conrad. Apparently, I was supposed to be a part of something. I don't know. I'd like to be in Nashville. I never went. I've never been. I'd love to visit uh, Nashville, man. I heard it's a good time down there. Good time down there, man. Jack Daniels Distillery, sign me up. Sign me up. And feed me whiskey, man. I'll be one happy JD. Shavo Guerrero, speaking of uh, the dark side of the ring, Chris Benoit. Shavo Guerrero responds to Jordan Grace's burn in hell comment about Chris Benoit. We even had uh, Conan get involved, and he responded to Jordan Grace and her tweet as well. Uh, I I need to say this before we get into this, because I talked about this briefly on an extra earlier in the week as well. I think Jordan Grace is great. I do. I'm a big fan of Jordan Grace. I think she's awesome. The uh, tweet should not have been mentioned uh, I, I don't know why Chris Benoit's name was brought up in this discussion, but uh, it was a, uh, and we've all been there, man. It was a social media faux pas. It was a mistake. We've all said things on social media that we really shouldn't have said in that moment. We And this was one of those instances where Jordan Grace tweeted without really thinking of the ramifications that were going to be behind this tweet. Grace tweeted. And I quote, this is the coldest take I ever tweet on this app. I already know y'all going to be mad. I don't think Chris Benoit could 100% hang with the most present day best wrestlers. He would not be able to remember matches. Also, may he burn in hell. Amen. Grace followed up with another tweet saying, proving a point. I said something very lightly critical about him. People jumped to defend him. He should never be defended. Dude lost that right when he gave his seven-year-old Xanax and strangled him while he was already unconscious, end quote. She is right about that. People defending him should not be defending him. Chris Benoit is a fucking asshole, and he is a monster and a murderer, and he should not be celebrated or defended in any way, shape, or form. But let's not sit here and expose ourselves on social media and claim that he can't hang with today's best Chris Benoit may be all the fucking worst possible things you could humanly think of. And you are right. But let's be real. The man is a monster and a fucking murderer and should not be defended or praised in any way. 
the wrestler. I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody that you can't go back and watch Chris Benoit matches. I'm not going to sit here and, and say you can't watch his work and his mastery in the ring. It's two different things. It's two different things. Chris Benoit, the wrestler, is different from Chris Benoit, the man, who's a murderer and a monster and killed his entire family and took that right away from them. Not going to sit here and defend Chris Benoit, but I'm also not going to sit here and tell you that he's, you know, that he shouldn't be talked about because of what he did. Yes, he shouldn't be talked about because of what he did, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's not a great professional wrestler or wasn't a great professional wrestler. Every time he's brought up, I don't know why he's brought up. Why are we still talking about Chris Benoit in 2022? Why is he a topic of discussion in 2022? Why? I don't even know why he was mentioned here. God knows what this woman goes through. God knows what this woman deals with on a daily basis. Her husband probably gets shit on because of his fucking size every single week. Every single day, this woman has to put up with something, man. What she posts online, the pictures that she posts online, and how she looks, and who she's married to, and all this other shit. I don't know how or why Chris Benoit was brought up, but I'm going to throw a fucking layup out there and say people were claiming that, again, I don't know what this woman deals with, people were probably claiming that Chris Benoit is much better in the ring than her husband is, Jonathan Gresham. And that was, that's what maybe caused this discussion, or caused her to go out there and tweet this out to the world, which eventually was deleted. I don't know. I don't know. Jonathan Gresham is an incredible professional wrestler. Chris Benoit was an incredible professional wrestler. You could go and watch his matches all you want to your heart's content, man. Go and watch and uh, celebrate Chris Benoit being a great professional wrestler. He may be top five, uh, depending on who you ask. But that doesn't mean we can't watch his matches because of what he did. Chris Benoit is a murderer. Paul Heyman said it best. They, Nancy and his son, did not have a choice in the matter. Their life was taken because of his heinous act. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's not a great professional wrestler because he was, and he could hang with anybody that you see in the ring today. You take whoever you think is the best pro wrestler in the world today, and Chris Benoit would go in there and do what he needs to do at a, at a level that you rarely ever see. So let's end the discussion about fucking Chris Benoit. I don't know why he was brought up. Don't know why he was brought up in this discussion or why he was even mentioned. This would have been something that saved her a lot of headache. Conan. Conan. He's got a podcast. I will not mention it here because I hate everybody on that fucking show. I really do. Disco is a geek. And Conan, I mean, I don't know. I don't like that audience. I don't like the vibe that they give off, man. Again, things that they say on that show, most of these people don't really... uh, Understand. They, these guys don't understand. He gave his thoughts on Jordan Grace. He gave his thoughts on this Chris Benoit comment. Grace's tweet said, among other things, that Benoit couldn't hang with today's wrestlers. So she deleted the tweet, and Conan said this, and I quote, I can't believe that she would publicly come out here and make an ass of herself like that, but that ain't the first time she's had stupid takes. And you know, with age comes wisdom You'll get here soon enough. Obviously, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Benoit, without a doubt, of all the years and all the dressing rooms and all the people that I've worked with, is one of the greatest performers I've ever seen. His passion was second to none. His intensity was second to none. His preparation was second to none. What do you mean he couldn't hang with nobody today? Bro, 90% of the guys today couldn't hang with him. That's the bottom line, because I worked with them. And what do you mean 
he would have forgotten everything. Listen, if he was at a point where he was forgetting, nobody would let him put matches together. Can't say that I disagree with Conan. I think Conan nailed everything about what he said to Jordan Grace. It pretty much falls in line with what I said, too. She made a boo-boo. And I don't know why Chris Benoit was talking uh, or talked about by Jordan Grace on social media this week. I don't know why Chris Benoit is brought up in any discussion. There are bigger things to worry about than fucking Chris Benoit. Bailey. Bailey is returning soon, according to sources. PW Insider reported this week that Bailey was seen at the Performance Center for several days this week. This usually means that she's back training in ring, and it also means that a return could come in the very near future. This is somewhat what Meltzer said in her previous newsletter update on the Wrestling Observer. Last week, Meltzer reported that Bailey would be back in action soon. Good. I don't know what Bailey's going to be doing or what brand she's going to be affiliated with, but Bailey being back on television is always going to be a great thing for WWE and that division. But it's all about creative. Bailey, no matter how good she is and how great she is, she's one woman. We don't know where she's going. We don't know who she's feuding with. We don't know what her deal is going to be. It's one woman coming back to either Raw or SmackDown. That is not going to be enough to save what I think right now are two awful divisions. It's all about the booking. It's all about the creative. Is Bailey going to save the division? Is she going to make the division better? No, she's not. Because she'll be given the same bullshit creative that everybody right now is getting. And Bailey, no matter how good she is, is not going to turn things around. Shotzi. Shotzi deleted her Twitter account, and I believe it is still right now deleted or suspended or I guess deactivated is a good word to use. Deactivated her Twitter account. Shotzi had fans calling for her to be fired after botching several spots in the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. She addressed this criticism on a tweet on Monday. She says, and I quote, There are three things I care about at the end of a match. Is everyone safe? Did everyone have fun? Did the crowd react? Nobody got hurt. We all had a blast, and the Vegas crowd was hot, hot, hot. I felt on top of the world after that match, and I was so excited to finally have my first hardcore match in over a year. I wouldn't have done anything I didn't practice or thought I couldn't do safely. But I'm not a wrestle robot. I'm human and slips happen, especially in a chaotic, unpredictable ladder match. I can take a joke and laugh at myself. One of the first things I did and said was, I can't wait to see that spot on Botchamania. But comments like you should be fired and other terrible things admittedly hit hard. I had to have a few things, or a few friends rather, wipe the tears off my face and slap some sense into me and remind me who the fuck I am. That being said, all my haters can suck my big, giant, hairy mangoes. End quote. Now, since her tweets, the Twitter account that she operates from on Twitter was deactivated slash deleted. Her Instagram account is still online, and she posted something along the lines of updating everybody that she's okay and that she needed to deactivate because of the online trolls affecting her and she's decided to take a sabbatical from social media. Good. Good. You know, we call, we, listen, man, we're, we're fair and we're honest. We've sat here and defended Shotzi. Where's Shotzi? Why isn't she on TV? Where did they put her tank? 
Why did they take what makes her unique away from her when they called her up to the main roster? Why is she not on TV in a division that sorely needs characters and people with her level of charisma? I don't get it. I've defended her every single week. And I gave fair criticism just like everybody else, man. I listened to maybe two or three other Money in the Bank reviews, and they all said primarily the same thing. Shotzi did not have a good match. I think that was very apparent. I think she knows that, and I think the fans know that, and I think the friends of Shotzi that went to console her knew that. But that's why they're there for moral support. She didn't have a good match. The Money in the Bank ladder match, the women's Money in the Bank ladder match was one of the worst Money in the Bank ladder matches that they've done. It's only been around, four, what, four or five years? This was the worst Money in the Bank ladder match that they've had in its history for the women. This was not good. There's nothing memorable about this match. Liv Morgan laid on the outside for 80% of it. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez. <laughs> Raquel Gonzalez. She didn't do much in there. She botched a couple of times in there as well. Right? Oscar, Becky. The field itself was very lackluster. Very lackluster. Liv Morgan won a match that 75-80% of it she was laying on the outside. She really didn't do much of anything. There was more spotlight on Natalia and, and Becky. And Raquel in that match than there was for Liv Morgan. The match sucked. There's nothing wrong with expressing your opinion. Just do it in a professional way. Just do it in a matter where you're not fucking causing people to go out there and harm themselves or fucking cry or hurt their feelings, man. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. I never said Shotzi should be fired. I said, if she keeps this up, I would be surprised if WWE doesn't fire her. Because there are more women that are ready in NXT than Shotzi are. And Shotzi's not really living up to her end of the bargain here on the main roster. Every time she's been on TV, she hasn't really had a good go. Matches with Ronda have not been good. Matches with Sasha haven't been good. She's been used as fucking enhancement talent. Then she gets put in a Money in the Bank ladder match because they needed bodies in there. It's not like WWE wanted her in there. WWE needed her in there because there really isn't many women right now on the roster. Everybody that you saw in there was basically the SmackDown roster. Shotzi should not be fired. But I am going to be honest with you. I I can't see how WWE is pleased with her body of work since being called up to the main roster. And maybe there's a reason for it. Maybe Maybe she feels that she's not good enough. Maybe she feels what we feel. And all the reports about walking on eggshells backstage. Maybe she's nervous. Maybe she realized she can't cut it. Maybe she realizes that she's not as good as everybody else on the main roster. I don't know. But she's had a tough year. Her father passed away. She's had a rough go with it. People grieve in their own way. She's still grieving. It's been tough. She tries to go out there, put a smile on everybody's face. She, got, she tries to go out there and put a smile on her face to go out there and work. And inside, she's, she's crying. She's breaking down because of everything that's going on. But WWE doesn't care about that. You're a professional. you got to go out there and be a professional and, and do what you're told and do what is asked of you. If you're not doing that, there will be consequences for that. I just hope that the consequences don't result in her termination. She has not had a good six weeks or however long she's been on TV. She hasn't had a good go on the main roster, period. She's not been good. It is not out of the realm of fucking opinion to think that Shotzi was better in NXT than she was on the main roster. Because if I ask Shotzi, she'd probably tell me the same fucking thing. Ronda Rousey. She demanded Liv Morgan win the SmackDown women's title at Money in the Bank. 
Michael Mardonis, Ronda Rousey's photographer, took to Instagram with a photo from ringside at Money in the Bank claiming that Rousey never wanted or asked to be the SmackDown Women's Champion. Mardonis wrote, respect to Ronda Rousey, who never wanted or asked to be champion and demanded that the most passionate pro wrestlers be awarded the most prestigious title in our history, in our uh, industry. Hashtag respect at Liv Morgan. Now, it is important to note that this, at the time when he Instagrammed this, was a claim. But it's interesting that it came from somebody close to Ronda Rousey. So, the story goes, from what I know, Ronda Rousey was backstage, Money in the Bank Saturday, and the rumor was that Becky Lynch was going to win Money in the Bank. That Becky Lynch was supposed to win Money in the Bank, and that Becky Lynch was going to, I guess, get a match with Bianca Belair at SummerSlam. <laughs> uh, Summer Scam, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Summer Scam. Becky was going to get a match at Summer Scam against Bianca Belair while being Miss Money in the Bank. She would lose to Bianca, and she would not win the Raw Women's title. She would cash in or try to cash in and get Ronda's title and lose that. So she would try and be Becky Two Belts again, but she would lose to Bianca, try and cash in against Ronda, and lose the briefcase and lose the match against Ronda, and then there'd be nothing left for Becky Lynch. She'd go through this fucking depression, and it would go all the way to the Royal Rumble, where she would win the Royal Rumble and get Ronda Rousey in a championship match at WrestleMania and beat Ronda for that title. That was the rumor. The reality of the situation is that Ronda knew this was going to be the plan, and she said, well, I don't think that's going to work. I think we should go in this other direction. Becky doesn't need to win money in the bank because Becky doesn't need money in the bank to inevitably get myself and Becky in a one-on-one match at WrestleMania. Becky Lynch doesn't need to lose and be a loser and cash in and fail. We don't need that. Why don't we use the Money in the Bank briefcase for good and help elevate a younger talent like a Liv Morgan? So she realized that, and she told WWE creative that Becky doesn't need the briefcase. You want to get us at WrestleMania. There are other ways to do that. Let's reward somebody here and have a payoff tonight in Liv Morgan and build a new star in Liv Morgan. And that's what WWE did. They went with Ronda's take, and they did it on Saturday at Money in the Bank, and Liv Morgan won the SmackDown Women's Championship. Now, I've shit on Ronda many, many, many weeks. She's awful. Ronda cannot come out on television and be any more boring. But Ronda, I respect Ronda a little bit more for that because it shows that she actually does care. And I'm going I'm to give Becky a little credit there as well. Becky could have argued, no, 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 no. Now, this is the way to go. Becky had no problem doing that at all either for Liv Morgan. So, shout out to Ronda and a little credit to uh, Becky Lynch there. My, my little hopes. <laughs> my so, shout out to uh, Ronda and Becky. The thing is, how long you think this honeymoon is going to last? You think this Liv Morgan honeymoon is going to last? No. This Liv Morgan honeymoon, I doubt, lasts past clash at the castle. I'm giving this until September, and then that's it. Liv Morgan will be known as your transitional champion. WWE built Liv Morgan up on Saturday, gave her the fucking superstar treatment, 
Now she's out there parading around as champion and all this good vibe and babyface-esque promos, and I'm going to hold this title, and I can't lose this title, and this title means the world to me, and you got to kill me before you take this, whatever the case may be. Ronda and Becky will happen. Becky's out of the equation for now. It's not even about Becky. It's about Charlotte. It's about Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair is coming back to WWE. I will take my women's championship and I will take this division and ruin it once again. Reboot. Reboot. Battery. Battery charge. It's exactly what's going on. It's not about Becky. It's about Charlotte Flair. So what we're going to get, WWE's already announced Ronda and Liv Morgan at SummerSlam. <laughs> Ronda Rousey versus Liv Morgan at SummerSlam, man. Uh, yes, that is, uh, that is confirmed. WWE has uh, signed this match. It is official for SummerSlam. But the thing is, we will see, we will see the... Android, we will see Charlotte. She will be at SummerSlam. And she will factor into the ending of that match. So Charlotte is going to cost Ronda the match. Liv will get her win. And then we will get a triple threat match with Ronda and Liv and Charlotte at Clash at the Castle. And Charlotte will take the title back from all of them. And she will reign over the division once again. That's exactly what's going to happen. Liv Morgan will be shit out of luck. I don't know what WWE does at Clash of the Castle. Charlotte could uh, be there, and Ronda could win the title back. If WWE wants to do Ronda versus Becky again, I don't know. All I know is, I honestly feel that Ronda should be a heel. Whatever is going on here, I think Ronda should turn heel. I think Ronda needs to turn heel. That's the way it needs to be. And uh, they need to somehow salvage the uh, remainder of Ronda Rousey's run here back in WWE, and I think a heel turn will do just that. But Liv Morgan, man, again, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade because I'm a, I'm a Liv Morgan guy, but uh, she's nothing more than a transitional champion, but don't get too cozy with her ex-champion because this was never meant to be. Liv was never meant to win that briefcase. It was always going to be Char- uh, Becky, and Charlotte's coming back to ruin everything for your girl, Liv Morgan. Take it up with Charlotte. Don't take it up with me, man. Don't kill the messenger. WWE, they announced Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. This was the plan. Uh, According to Dave Meltzer, like I said, Morgan is set to defend the title against Rousey. There has been some speculation that WWE may go back to Charlotte, who's been off TV after a while after getting married. Uh, Feuding with Rousey is definitely in the cards for Charlotte's coming up as well. Meltzer says it is interesting, though, as I think almost everybody figured out it was going to be Charlotte and Ronda at SummerSlam, and now it is Liv Morgan. AEW. Let's move on to uh, AEW, man. I need, uh, what do we need? We need less than 200 likes for 1,500, guys. Can we get 1,500 likes minimum in the OTS venue tonight, man? Seriously. Get those super chats in. Get those memberships in. We'll hang out in just a little bit at the end of the show, and we'll go over all the super chats. Thank you guys very much for all your support, man. Great show tonight. Great show. I'm on fire, and we're killing it. And uh, I hope you guys are enjoying this on your Sunday night. AEW Dynamite. Let's talk some AEW news, man. Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson's injury may be worse than initially thought. Brian Danielson's now been out of action for over a month after suffering an injury 
that is believed to be a concussion, which is concerning to many due to the history he has with concussions. The initial belief was that he would be out of action for one to two weeks. Danielson was supposed to wrestle Zack Sabre Jr. at the AEW New Japan Forbidden Door show, but he wasn't medically cleared and had to be pulled from the show. Obviously, Claudio Castagnoli, Cesaro filled in. Danielson had to retire from pro wrestling in 2016 because he lied about how many concussions he's had in his career and wasn't cleared. In 2018, he was cleared again to wrestle. During Wrestling Observer Live this week, Dave Meltzer noted he is concerned with Danielson's current status because he has a history of head injuries. He says, and I quote, I'm very concerned with Danielson, obviously, because when you have the number of concussions he's had, and he's been out now for five weeks, you start worrying at five weeks of a concussion, this may be a real bad situation. I know in real life and everything like that, he's fine. He can function. He can do everything. But as far as being cleared to wrestle, I don't know anything. No one knows. Getting cleared from a concussion can be any time. There's no time frame, but the fact that it's been this long is very concerning, end quote. You know, I don't know what Meltzer knows. I don't. The only one that knows anything here is Brian and Tony Khan. So I don't really know if it's right for Dave Meltzer to go out there and really cause uh, more of a shitstorm with his words in regards to Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson. I don't get it. I don't understand why he's got to make everybody worry with the way he word, worded this. But the fact it's been this long is very concerning. It's worrisome after five weeks. It may be a real bad situation. How the fuck do you know? Tony Khan did not fill you in on this, and neither did Brian Danielson. I don't get it. So why is this being talked about as a bad thing when nobody really knows anything? Let the man heal up and let the man get rest and let him get cleared and let him go through AEW's concussion protocol, whatever Tony Khan asks of him and advises he does. Let him get better. I don't care how long he's out. If he's out, he's out. When he's better, he'll return. No reason to get everybody up in arms and worrying because then that's only going to fall back on the company And Tony Khan doesn't need any more bullshit on top of the bullshit that he probably deals with on a daily basis. They'll start blaming Tony Khan for recklessly putting Brian in a fucking ring. Meanwhile, Brian hasn't done anything outside of the norm of what Brian usually does. Brian wrestled for, what, two, three years, four years in WWE. Ever since coming back, he did a part-time schedule. And he was just as physical in the ring as he is in AEW. So I don't want to hear any, any excuses that Tony Khan is to blame for Brian Danielson having a concussion. Shit happens. People get hurt. It's just the nature of the business. Deal with it. It comes with the territory. But Dave Meltzer, man, he's got to be a little bit more, uh, he's got he's to be a little bit more fucking sensitive when it comes to these types of things because he's somebody that fans go to for this type of reporting. And when he words things like that, it's only going to worry fans instead of people being hopeful that Brian is going to come back. Not cool, man. AEW, are they adding more pay-per-views to their yearly pay-per-view calendar? Since its inception, AEW has had a very uh, straightforward pay-per-view system. Four big shows spread out across the year and then a number of special episodes on Dynamite to fill out the pay-per-view calendar or their yearly calendar. We got Revolution, takes place in February. Double or nothing is usually at the end of May. 
All Out is either at the end of August or early September, and Full Gear is in November. Now we got Forbidden Door, which takes place in June. So they got five right now because we all know Forbidden Door is happening again next year. That will be five major shows. However, it appears change could be coming to this schedule. As Andrew Zarian reported during an episode of the Wrestling Observer Live that Warner Media is keen for AEW to increase the amount of pay-per-view shows it runs each year. He said on the show, Warner Media wants more pay-per-views from AEW, but added, they're not forcing them to. They would just love them to do more. Zarian also noted that the Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view announcement came days after he was told that Warner Media wanted more shows from all elite wrestling. Zarian even speculated that Death Before Dishonor could be a test between AEW and BR Live, Bleacher Report Live, to see if there is enough demand from the audience to have more shows. There's also the speculation that Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor airing on BR Live means that there could be a TV deal in place between Tony Khan and Warner Media to host new Ring of Honor content. Zarian added, and I quote, I don't know this, but I, would be, I wouldn't be shocked if there was a TV deal announcement at the pay-per-view. Normally, Zarian is right on the money with what he talks about. Zarian knows. Um, so if somebody in the community is saying something like that, I think Andrew is somebody that you could really put your uh, investment in when it comes to news like that. He wouldn't say anything um, out of the realm of possibility like that unless he knew something uh, or, or heard rumors or innuendo about something potentially happening. In terms of names for shows, perhaps AEW can simply turn one of its Dynamite specials, such as Winter is Coming, into a full pay-per-view weekend uh, and make that into a pay-per-view show. They said that Warner Media, or he said Warner Media is not going to force them to. And I hope that's the case. You know, the more pay-per-views, these are not cheap shows. Right now, we order all of these shows because they are worth ordering, and Tony Khan gives us more bang for our buck. They're $50 each, right? Revolution, Double or Nothing, Full Gear, and All Out. Now, Forbidden Door, right? It's 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. It's $250 for your wrestling pleasure for AEW pay-per-views all year, and they're worth every penny. I haven't ordered a pay-per-view like that since I was fucking living at home with my parents back at the house, right? We had the old satellite dish. Pay-per-view used to cost $29.99 or order it on the fucking uh, the black cable box. Just hit a button and boom, you, you got WWE pay-per-view. You order it and you get billed a month later. I haven't done that since then, but I do it now because AEW, A, deserves our support, and B, the shows are usually fucking Grand Slam shows. If I'm Tony Khan, I'm hearing Warner Media and I'm understanding, but I also don't want to oversaturate the market and I don't want to oversaturate the AEW product with more pay-per-views. WWE right now in this position where they should be following AEW's model and the pay-per-view shows that we get, because we're not ordering pay-per-view from WWE and they clearly don't give a fuck about their premium live events. They don't. WWE has 12 or 13 pay-per-views a year, one every month. Sometimes there's two a month. We got two a month this year, or this June, uh, July. We got Money in the Bank. We got SummerSlam happening at the end. Of the- we have two pay-per-views. He runs 12 to 13 pay-per-views, including the Saudi shows, right? Saudi shows they were doing on top of the 12 yearly pay-per-views, so it would be more like 14, 15 shows per year. Now WWE has taken out some shows during the calendar year and filled those months in with just the one Saudi show as if it's a part of the regular pay-per-view calendar, which is the right way to go about it with their current model. But if I'm WWE...
I would say, six, seven, eight pay-per-views per year. WWE doesn't need 12 pay-per-views, 13 pay-per-views a year. They don't. AEW doesn't need 12 pay-per-views per year. If I'm Tony, and I asked this question on the media phone call right before Forbidden Door on that Friday, before Forbidden Door, I asked that question with the speculation amongst the online wrestling community that Forbidden Door is going to be a yearly thing. Have you given any thought to potentially adding more pay-per-views to the AEW pay-per-view calendar to round it out at a seven or an eight show minimum for the show, right? Or for the, for the company. He dodged the question. He said it was a very good question, but he dodged and really didn't give me a straightforward answer. He dodged and circled around the question, which he probably gets that a lot, and clearly this is now in the news and in discussion, and he's not at liberty to talk about it yet because he may be doing something. He may be planning something. We don't know. But if AEW does have five, with Forbidden Door being included, I would not, if I'm Tony Khan, I would not go past six. Triple H had the best pay-per-view model. There was a takeover every major WWE weekend. There was, there was five, maybe six at Tony Khan doesn't need more than six pay-per-views. He doesn't. I absolutely love that you get six pay-per-views per year, spread them out over the year, reshuffle them throughout the calendar year, and then give me your winters are coming. Give me your blood and guts. Give me your grand slams. Give me your uh, quake by the lake or whatever the fuck they're doing in Minneapolis this August. I love when there are six pay-per-views in the calendar year like a takeover and like an AEW, and then you put focus on dynamite throughout the year with special shows, five or six other special shows throughout the year to round out what could be looked at as a full pay-per-view calendar. Those Dynamite shows usually are so fucking big, they, they, almost, they almost act like pay-per-views. So why wouldn't Tony Khan keep that same model, maybe add one more show, make it rounded at six, and then put and continue to put focus on Dynamite? He doesn't need to do much of anything from what he's doing now. He doesn't need to change much of anything. If they're not forcing him, then don't force him. Tony Khan should not give us 12 pay-per-views per, per, per year. No. I think that's a, a, that's a terrible decision. Because the way it is right now, people will gladly pay for what these shows are. If he does 12 pay-per-views per year, I can guarantee you that All Out's not doing 180,000 fucking buys. If he adds 12 pay-per-views to the calendar year, those, those major shows that we got Double or Nothing and All Out and Revolution of Full Gear, they're not doing anywhere near the pay-per-view buys that they're doing now. They may get cut in half. The more pay-per-views, yeah, it may be more revenue, but I honestly think you devalue what you've built so far with these major shows that you've given us so far. Keep it the way it is. Maybe one more and put a focus on Dynamite and call it a day. NXT. There are tentative plans for the next NXT Premium Live event. Will it be TakeOver? I don't know. Will Triple H be back in charge? I don't know. But in, latest, in the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that WWE is tentatively planning a major NXT show for late August with 820 or 827 being looked at as possible dates. Like AEW, NXT has held several TV specials such as The Great American Bash and Halloween Havoc. Instead of putting these specials on Peacock, they air on weekly NXT 2.0 television every Tuesday. 
Braun Breaker. He retained the NXT title on uh, Tuesday against Cameron Grimes in the main event of the Great American Bash. Carmelo Hayes beat Grayson Waller as well to retain the North American Championship. And Roxanne Perez with Cora Jade beats Toxic Attraction to become the new women's tag team champions. The days of takeover is over, legitimately. Uh, the last one took place in August of 2021, a month before NXT was rebranded as, as, uh, rebranded as NXT 2.0 with several changes to the booking, presentation, and the wrestlers that they use. Uh, I don't know what this show is going to be. All I know is that we got a QR code uh, something on Tuesday that was done very cryptically by WWE. I don't know what that means, but it could fall in line with what this, this show is supposedly going to be. So we'll see what happens, but there are plans for another NXT pay-per-view in August, and that may come in August 20th or on the 27th. So we'll see what happens. Speaking of NXT, NXT UK had their UK champion vacate the title at the recent TV tapings. Ilya Dragunov was forced to vacate the NXT UK championship due to injury. He did not state the nature of the injury or a timetable for his return, but he was wearing a walking boot during the tapings. At the tapings, it was announced that there will be an eight-man tournament to crown a new champion. The tournament started during the tapings, and Tyler Bates was in the finals with Trent Seven, and Tyler Bates is now the new NXT UK champion. You guys will see this play out on television if you care to watch that over on Peacock. Uh, that sounds like it's something that I should go out there and watch. I think Tyler Bate is fucking phenomenal. How he hasn't made it to the main roster yet, or at least NXT in this country, I don't understand it. I don't get it. But Tyler Bate is the new NXT UK champion, and a match between him and Dragunov could be a potential WWE match of the year. Dragunov was NXT champion for over 300 days after winning it from Walter, now Gunther, at NXT TakeOver 36. Uh, during his reign, he has successfully retained the title against a kid, Rampage Brown, Jordan Devlin, who is now J.D. McDonough, and Roderick Strong. So, make sure you guys go and check that out. I think that sounds fucking awesome. Tyler Bate is great. Rhea Ripley, swift, uh, switching gears over to Monday Night Raw. Rhea Ripley apparently is wearing a heart monitor. This took me by surprise when I read this news, but Ripley has been out of action uh, due to a concussion and some dental problems. Rhea Ripley revealed on social media that she's wearing a heart monitor. This device is usually worn to track potential I irregularities in the heart. She got a concussion. She was out of action for a little bit. She was supposed to wrestle Bianca Belair at Money in the Bank, and she has since revealed that she's been dealing with a brain and jaw issue. The brain injury is believed to be a concussion-related issue, but she has not elaborated on this at all, nor should she have to. The jaw injury led to her having to get dental work done. Uh, we were unaware of any heart issues with Rhea Ripley, but uh, if that is the situation, anything with the heart is uh, a very scary situation. But I hope she gets back soon. Uh, she was really starting to hit her stride, uh, everything but her promo work. But um, I hope that she picks up right where she left off because... It could have been a major deal for her and Bianca to really have a nice major program on Monday night. And I, I, I see this happen, and I, I hope to see her back there with Bianca, but we don't even know if Bianca's going to be the champion by the time she gets back. And we don't know what's going to happen with that championship, period. 
So uh, I wish her the best, and that's a scary situation, being that she had to wear a heart monitor to uh, monitor what uh, is said to be uh, heart irregularities. So uh, we wish her uh, thoughts and prayers for Rhea Ripley. WWE management wants to push Montez Ford as a major singles star. After the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, it looks like WWE is going to be splitting up the Street Profits in the near future. They brought up rumors at Money in the Bank that Montez Ford and Angela Dawkins have been having issues between themselves. This was also brought up on SmackDown when uh, they were talking about Ford's physique in recent weeks. Brian Alvarez said this, and I quote, very interesting, by the way, that they made a very, very big deal for minutes on end about Montez Ford's new physique and how big he was and how strong he was. Alvarez noted, also on SmackDown, they had a very interesting deal where they had a face-to-face with the Usos before Money in the Bank and Ford and Dawkins and the Usos say that there have been rumors that you guys haven't been getting along. Why would that be thrown in there? If uh, WWE isn't planning on on doing um, a split between Street Profits, Montez Ford, and Angela Dawkins. Last night, the announcers pointed out that Ford's shoulder was off the mat, and the referees, or not um, not last night, uh, this week uh, at Money in the Bank, that Ford's shoulders was uh, off the map, and the referees missed it. So it uh, means that a rematch, obviously, is coming. It was announced, likely at SummerSlam, which was announced for and that uh, the Street Profits could be breaking up. Angela Dawkins, everybody thinks that I'm not good. The talk is starting to piss me off. During his interview on Corey Graves after the bell, Angela Dawkins talking about his motivation to have great matches against the Usos. He also acknowledged the talk about Montez Ford possibly becoming a single star and all the praise he's been getting. He says, and I quote, I'd be lying if I said I didn't hear... All the talk on the internet about Tez. Tez is a freak of nature. And some of you guys are saying the uh, mic keeps going out. Again, the mic keeps going. Is this just happening now? Or was this something that was happening the entire show? Because if it's happening again, then it's got to be something with my my soundboard. So let me know if it's been happening the entire show. Because now I'm actually fucking pissed. I'm actually now pissed that it still happened. And I kind of want to end the show because if it's been happening the whole show, then I'm not going to be happy. I'd be lying if I said I didn't hear all the talk on the internet. Montez is a freak of nature. That's my brother. I know he's good. I know he's talented. He's destined to become the world champion. But then on the other hand, I saw people talking about me like I'm some scrub or whatever. That took me back to when I first started. The last 10 minutes. Been happening the entire show. All show. The entire show. All stream. I don't know. I don't know. The last 10 minutes. It's been happening the entire show. I don't understand it. I, I don't really get it. I, 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 may have to, I may have to check it out a little, uh, a little later. Um, Montez is going to get pushed, and Angelo is not going to get pushed. Angelo is going to be cut out. Angelo may actually get released, to be honest with you. So I feel like Angelo Dawkins is going to be genetted, and I, I feel that's not fair to him. Everybody's like thinking Montez is going to be a future world champion. That's not right. I would not even break up the Street Profits. I really, uh, I, I really 
don't want to see them broken up because WWE has the potential to uh, do a great tag team division with them leading the charge, but they want to find a single star in Montez and then leave Angelo Dawkins out to dry. I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all. But uh, everybody, for some reason, thinks that I'm not good, he says. He is very good. Is he better than Montez? No. Will WWE give him the opportunity to, to do something on his own? I hope so. I hope it's not a case where he is going to watch Montez skyrocket to the top and he's going to be left in the fucking dust challenging for the 24-7 title. Moving on, guys. Um, one piece of miscellaneous news. Alan Angels debuts for Impact Wrestling. Days after finishing up with AEW, Alan Angels made a surprise debut for Impact Wrestling on Saturday night at the TV tapings held in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Hula Grimm. Hula Grimm in the chat. Bro, uh, has it been happening all show? He'll give me a straight answer. I don't know who the fuck to believe, man. Some people saying all show. Some people saying the last 10 minutes, the last 15 minutes, the last hour. Hula Grimm, has it been all show? Let me know if it's been all show. Alan Angels. Uh, he made a surprise debut for Impact Wrestling at the tapings last Saturday night at Friday's Against All Odds special. Uh, Mike Speedball Bailey successfully defended the title against Trey Miguel. Post-match, he issued a challenge at the tapings. Once Bailey wanted to know who he would be facing, uh, Alan Angels came out to the ring. It's unclear when the match will air on weekly television or whether Angels has signed a contract with Impact. This may be a one-off appearance as he is from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I like this move. I think Alan Angels on Impact is going to be a great move for him. A lot of people are like, oh, why didn't Tony Khan sign him? Why didn't Tony Khan sign him? Uh, I don't know. I don't know why Tony Khan didn't sign him. Tony Khan's got, Tony Khan's got his reasons. But Alan Angels going to Impact, I honestly think that he could build a nice foundation for himself. And Tony Khan's got an open-door policy. Um, it happened a couple of times early and a couple since. Nothing like the other night. Okay. Um, I think this is a great foundation for Alan Angels. He will be a bigger name and make a name for himself on Impact, and that will get him to open Tony Khan's eyes a little more. Tony Khan, you know, he's not afraid to bring in talent when he feels like he could use them or need them or, or sign anybody. We know Tony Khan's not afraid to sign anybody, but Alan Angels finding work in Impact and making himself a name in Impact is a lot better than Alan Angels sitting in the back waiting for Tony Khan to come up with something for the Dark Order, where they're a non-entity on a show. So I think this is a great move by Impact Wrestling. It has to be something with YouTube. It hasn't been going out that much for me. I don't know. Anyway. Guys, that's all I got for uh, the news here. Uh, sorry about the frustration with the sound. I, um, I don't know. Uh, again, I don't watch Impact, so I don't know. And, and I'm sorry about the frustration on my end. With the uh, with the sound, I, I don't understand why we're uh, we're dealing with sound issues. I I really don't. Like I sound, I know I sound great. I, I hear everything I'm doing in the headset, and I'm not going out in my headset. So I don't know if it's me or if it's a YouTube thing. I I, I don't know because I recorded two extras this week and nothing like that was present on the extras. I listened back to both extras and nothing about the sound was off to me. Just pisses me off, man, because everybody, like, gangs up on you and it's not... I, I can't figure it out while I'm sitting here live. I don't know what it is. 
Anyway, get the super chats in, guys. We're about to hang out at the end of the show. Hopefully, the music is playing for you guys. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Hit that thumbs up, man. We need uh, 46 more for 1,500 likes. And check out my sponsor, man, Blue Chew, BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout for your free sample. Let's start at the top, man. Uh, we are going to go to JP5150. Thank you, brother, for your $10 super chat. JP says, even on vacation in Miami, enjoying the night with a nice cold Guinness in hand. Always appreciate a trip to the beer garden. Dear JD, speak the truth. We got OTS on lock here in Miami. Bro, for real. Bro, enjoy Miami, man. I love to be in Florida, man. I love Florida. Make sure you guys uh, enjoy the rest of your summer, man. Seriously, in general, just enjoy the rest of the summer. It'll be gone before you know it. And JP, enjoy your time in Miami, man. Whatever you're doing out there, enjoy it. Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. AJ Styles versus Adam Cole would be fire. Yes, it would. Two of the best pro wrestlers in the world. John Anton. Hologram, I don't, I don't know what it is, man. It might be a Mike Cable-ish. I'll check, I'll check again afterwards. Um, John Anton with a 999 Super Chat. I absolutely love your videos, JD. You help me with my stress. You're a great person. Thank you, John Anton. I appreciate it, brother. MJF Scarf 93 with a 12 month re up. Thank you, MJF Scarf 93. You may be MJF's uh, burner account. I don't know. Will you talk about Eddie Kingston's body slander going on by the E Drones, talking shit about him and his weight and that he's playing pro wrestler? Uh, bro, I talked about that right at the top, man. I think it's disgusting. Eddie Kingston, I said, doesn't even give a shit, man. Michael Partham with a $5 Super Chat. Vince does gotta go, but it ain't gonna be easy. Not like going down to the pond and chasing bluegills or Tommy Cods. Joseph Taylor with a $5 Super Chat. The best three matches in Joey Janela's career I've seen was first John Moxley, Fighter Fest 2019. Kenny Omega, second episode of Dark, Hangman Page, All In, 2018. Bro, I, I could not care less about Joey Janela, man. I, I don't. Who cares? Brandon James Shea with a seven-month re-up. Thank you, Brandon James Shea. I appreciate it, man. Johnny Cloud with an 11-month re-up. Enjoy sitting by those fire pits, guys. Seriously. Thank you very much, man. DJ plays with a $10 super chat. Hey, JD, quick question. I'm a huge Lesnar fan, and he's currently being advertised for SmackDown on July 22nd, and I'll be there. Do you think he actually shows up, or is it bullshit? Uh, I think he'll show up, uh, DJ plays, because uh, right after that, it's pretty much uh, the go-home show for SummerSlam, and I do think he'll be there. 
He's going to need to be on TV to sell this match with Roman Reigns. Edward Serenson with the $10 Super Chat. You've mentioned Lemores a few times. In 01, I was in a death metal band, Immortal Flesh, and we opened for Cannibal Corpse. It would be wild if you happened to be at one of those shows. Um, Edward, I probably was. And I didn't know you played for Immortal Flesh, bro. That's uh, that's pretty fucking cool. Not a big. Uh, I'm not really uh, big uh, in, into death metal anymore. But I, I always keep up to date on what's going on. Um, I know uh, Revocation just came out with a new song uh, the other day on Friday. Uh, very good. So uh, I like uh, I like some of the more uh, math metal death death metal, the more technical side of death metal. Not the guttural, uh, you know, basic shit like uh, Cannibal Corpse is still great, but a lot of these death metal bands, man, it's very generic. I don't like generic death metal, but that's that's pretty fucking. And I was probably there, man. I was probably there with my brother. Uh, Jedi Joker with a five dollar super chat. Far fetched idea, but imagine if it's Bruce Prichard because he's friends with MJF and maybe he wants to work for TK. Like I said, it's far fetched. I don't think so, bro. I don't think uh, I don't think Bruce Prichard would ever beat Trey Vince McMahon. Uh, MGM Bolin with a 499 Super Chat Times 2. Don't have anything to say. Just acknowledging and thanking my tribal chief for a much-needed Sunday night stream. I do too much overthinking, bro. Also, the people complaining about the sound cutting out are more annoying than the sound cutting out itself. Don't let it distract you, JD. I don't know, man. I don't know what it is. Fujins Henry with a four-month re-up. Thank you, Fujins. Enjoy those fire pits, bro. Hopefully you have a cold beverage, ice cold. Why is OTS so successful? Why is JD running his podcast better than anyone else in the IWC on any given day? I don't know, man. Nobody else has got the beer garden, I'll tell you that. MGM Bolin with another 499 Super Chat. Wish me luck, OTS fam. I have an interview for my first job out of college tomorrow morning. Bro, good luck, man. Kill it. Just take the mentality we have here on the show, man, and just go in there fucking guns blazing, bro. Don't walk in there with a cold beverage, though. Save that for after you get the job. Go Dogs 7098 with a $5 Super Chat. Hello, JD. Great podcast like always. Just one question. Do you have any non-alcoholic beverages at this fine establishment? Yes, man. Liquid Death. Liquid Death. Sparkling water and regular water. Only the best here, bro. Only the best. Hooligrim with a $10 Super Chat. I saw earlier that AEW is in talks with Stardom for a potential partnership. If that happens, 100% Sasha will be part of that. I can't get over the venue. It's stunning. This OTS train will never stop. I appreciate that, Hologram. And I, I did read about that. I didn't really talk about that today because it's all rumor right now. I think that is a very good chance that Sasha could end up over there, though. Just another reason why Sasha will go to AEW. Hooligram also with a $5 super chat. Also, is anyone as excited as I am for Dem Boys versus FTR2? I cannot wait for this match of the year banger. Give me death before dishonor. 
Five stars. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that as well. You you want to give me a main event of that, man? Sign me up. It's already... Uh, I already spent my $30 on it, man. That's all you needed to do. Just announce that match. I'm good. Raymond James with a $10 super chat. Wife in the hospital could use some of those prayer emojis. Raymond James, I'm sorry to hear that, brother. Everybody in this fucking beer garden right now, everybody in this chat, man, I want you to throw up those prayer emojis for Raymond James and his wife. Hopefully, whatever she's dealing with, quick and speedy recovery and is home very, very soon. Michael McGee with the 499 Super Chat. Hey, JD, what got you into wrestling? First match ever seen. Mine was Taker vs. Mankind, Hell in a Cell at King of the Ring. Keep up the excellent work. Uh, Michael, I can't tell you what the first match was because I might have been too young to remember, but uh, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, and Macho Man Randy Savage, man. Their larger-than-life personalities really attracted me to pro wrestling. And from there, man, never stop. Joseph King with a $5 super chat. Could you rank these factions? The Four Horsemen, NWO, Degeneration X, Undisputed Era, and Bullet Club. Um, the Four Horsemen was before my time, man. So anything that I say is going to disrespect the Four Horsemen and anybody that was around during that era. I'm going to answer this in the way that I can because I lived through it. NWO, DX, Four Horsemen, Undisputed Era, and then Bullet Club. My favorite WWE faction of all time, it's easy to say DX, Undisputed Era. They were everything that embodied black and gold, man. Jimmy Fingers with a 1019 Super Chat. Jimmy Fingers 19 with a 1019 Super Chat. JD, my wife just get, had... My wife just had to give me the... Had to give me the Heimlich maneuver because I just choked on my sandwich when you went when you did the Charlotte Robot sound effect. You almost just killed me, bro. More of that going forward, please. Jimmy Fingers, I'm sorry, bro. I didn't mean I didn't, I didn't mean to uh, possibly kill you, Jimmy Fingers. That would have been very sad. I'm glad she knows the Heimlich, bro. Demi Bull, I'm the best golfer and potato cooker with an Australia mite 537 super chat. You thought you knew everything when you laughed at people saying Liv Morgan would win the title, but she won, and you looked like a big fool, and you were wrong. Yes, bro, but she was never meant to win the title, man. She's a charity case. Get off my nutsack. Potato cooker. Suck my dick, bro. Suck my dick. Prodigy RKO with a 12-month membership. Thank you, brother. Seven months in and loving the venue outlook, especially the robotic Charlotte impression. Would you do more ROH stuff depending on how the TV deal goes? Absolutely. Absolutely would do Ring of Honor weekly television when we get to that point, man. Michelle Moran with a $2 super chat. Think AJ will be used to make Logan Paul a face? Probably. I could see that absolutely happen. 
Joshua Lanier, 499 Super Chat. JD, I wanted to ask you this at the meet and greet, but didn't get the chance to ask off the record. But do you think Bailey is holding out on WWE given what's going on with Sasha? No. I think Sasha is doing Sasha, and Bailey is going to come back and uh, do what Bailey's got to do. I don't think one plays into the other. Oh, that was Michael Evans. I'm sorry. Uh, Michael Evans asked that question. Michael, no, I don't think so. I think Bailey is going to come back, and I think uh, she's going to thrive because WWE is going to realize that they need Bailey, and they may actually use Bailey and build Bailey up bigger because Sasha's not there, and will use Bailey to kind of embarrass Sasha and push Bailey to be better than Sasha. That's what I feel. Uh, Joshua with a 499 super chat. Michael Evans, thank you for your $10, brother. Uh, just wanted to let you know I'm a big fan since I was 16 watching WrestleMania 32. When you said God coming back wouldn't have saved that pay per view, well, the best, man. Thank you so much, Joshua. There's nothing that God could really do to save WWE right now at all. Patrick Williams with a UK $5 super chat. JD, the OTS beer guard is looking lit, brother. Thank you so much, man. I love it. My boys over at Deviate Design did an absolutely phenomenal job, man. Mel's Matt Chat with a 16-month membership. You're hot and sexy, she says. What can I say, Mel? I rolled out of bed this way, Mel. What do you want me to say? I didn't ask God for these great looks. He just delivered them to me. I do what I have to do with them. Thank you, though. No simping in the venue, though. No simping in the venue. No simping allowed. Okay? Thank you. Uh, expert collector. One, two, three, four with a 999 super chat. Love you, JD. Keep up the great work, my guy. 100. Thank you, expert collector. One, two, three, four. Captain Solo with a 13 month membership, man. Thank you, Captain Sullivan. WrestleMania 5, who were you rooting for between Hogan and Savage? And WrestleMania 6, who were you rooting for between Warrior and Hogan? I was rooting for Warrior on uh, WrestleMania 6 nights. And I was rooting for Savage on WrestleMania 5 night. Justin Taylor with the Super Chat. AJ Styles is 5'11". Nobody makes fun of him. Bro, the IWC are a bunch of unintelligent fucking cretins, man. CJ Voorhees, 93 with a $2 super chat. JD is the IWC GOATS. Hashtag OTS for life. Thank you, CJ. Expert collector with a 499 super chat. Been watching you for a few years too, man. Appreciate everything you do for the community. Keep it up. Thank you, brother. That means a lot, man. And Joseph King with a $2 super chat. Is the Switchblade a future legend? Yes. If Switchblade was a free agent, man, how WWE doesn't look at somebody like Switchblade and bring him in, I don't know. 
Gotta be fucking fools, man. Gotta be fools. It's your cord, brother. Every time you move. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out, man. I'm gonna check it out. It may be my headphone cord, it may be my XLR cable, I don't know. I gotta see. I don't think it's the XLR cable. It can't be the XLR cable. It may be the headset, because there's nothing else I'm touching. To uh, try and uh, uncover this uh, this problem here with this uh, sound going in and out. Again, I, I, I appreciate you guys sticking with me. Uh, I didn't know it was, uh, again, prevalent tonight, but present tonight. So uh, we're going to fix it, but it is what it is, man. We'll figure it out. Um, I will see you guys back live. Tomorrow night, man. Monday Night Raw, brand new week of content. Monday Night Raw Live. We'll be back in the beer garden. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me on your uh, Sunday nights, man. It was uh, a great show. I was on fire for most of that show, man. I was on fire for most of that show. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram, TikTok, and now on Cameo, man. Make sure you guys go and check me out. All over social media links are down below in the description. Hit that thumbs up, guys. We did 1,500. You guys are the fucking best, man. 1,500 likes. You guys are awesome. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Go check out Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. For your free sample and go check out all the other videos on the channel, man. Great content all week, and I'll see you back live tomorrow night. Guys, I need two things from you. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chats. My VIPs, I need those Mustang emojis. And number two, I need that music on Max. Thank you guys so very much for everything, guys, and I'll see you back live tomorrow night on Monday Night Raw right here on the post show for OTS inside the OTS Beer Garden. Until then, guys, have a great night, and I'll see you tomorrow for Raw.